What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 143 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. And we, we are the orange crew. Yeah. Wonder Twins, activate. <laughs> Form of G4 or E3 shirts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are kind, kind of colors they would make us wear yeah. uh, as the crew. Yeah. Except I chose this color. Yeah, well. <laughs> now, you guys... now you make us wear the color. <laughs> we didn't plan this, by yeah. the way. Yeah, we didn't actually. I walked, I pulled in and he was like, oh, we have a problem. <laughs> and I was like, that's not a problem at all. I uh, hope you guys have had a great week. I hope you guys are playing some great games. Uh, we're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Odyssey again, which I still have not finished. Not surprising. Absolutely gigantic. A um, couple things before we get started. Folks on YouTube, thank you very much. Uh, we've been putting up episodes of Game Face on YouTube. You guys have been doing a great job of helping us out with Twitch Prime. For those of you who don't know what that is, all that stuff is down in the description. I also want to thank all our patrons who are giving us cash to support us, but also going and doing the Twitch Prime stuff for us. You guys are awesome, so thank you very much. Uh, t-shirt update. Matt and I are wearing the orange ones. Very interesting. Whenever I brought the t-shirts home, my wife looked at the orange ones and told me that I was never going to sell them. Hmm. She's like, you will have those three years from now unless you take them to Salvation Army. It, it has turned out that the orange is by far the most popular. It is completely mind-boggling to me. You guys certainly have different tastes from, from me, but... Well, maybe maybe it's, just, it's hard to find a shirt this orange. That's possible. So when you see one, you got to go for it. <laughs> but I do want to let you guys know that uh, in the orange shirts, we are pretty much sold out already. We, we're out of smalls, we're out of mediums, we're out of 3XLs. We have large and XLs left in the orange, and not many. I think there's like a handful of both. So if you guys really want the orange shirts, you should jump on those quicker. They're going to be gone. That's what um, I picked. Yeah. We're also out of the smalls in the white and violet, I believe. Um, but everything else is still there. Uh, thanks to everybody who has bought the shirts. Just like I said last week, for whatever reason, the people overseas continue to come through on the shirts. I'm, I'm guessing... That would just come down a little bit, but I think 70% of the shirts we've sold are to people overseas or in Europe or Asia. Those people are paying over $20 to ship one shirt. In America, the shipping is $5, hmm. and none of our American sifters are, are hooking it up. I don't know what's going on, but anyway. Doubly interesting, because I don't really like associate graphic tees with like European fashion. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've been there a lot, and you don't see guys in t-shirts walking around much. Yeah. But thank you, European sifters and Asian sifters. You guys are helping us out big time. I said Maybe they wear them under the, the fashionable clothing they have. These are fashionable, Matt. You wear the other stuff under this shirt. Now, I don't know. But there's, there's some, some good-looking people over there. There are. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but I do want to thank you guys uh, for buying the shirts. I said when we break even on them, I'll stop wearing this shirt on the show. We haven't done that yet, so... Here I am. I thought he meant that specific shirt. No, no, no. Is... I may have to cycle back to the white with violet for next week. We'll see how it goes this week. Hopefully you guys go in and get yourself some shirts. But anyway, hope you guys have had a great week. Uh, it's been a great week for me playing games. They just keep on coming. Uh, one great game after another, week after week. I get Black Ops 4 tomorrow, I believe. I got an email saying that I'm supposed to get it tomorrow. Uh, I guess you saw the little, the little note about how uh, you, you can't play the game until yeah. day one. 
Uh, so if you have like a hookup who gets you games early and maybe you pay them a little extra money to get it to you early, don't do it. You won't be able to I play Black Ops. I don't even understand. I mean, I would never. I mean, I'm not going to buy it, but I right. would not buy it on disc anyway because there's no point. Point. Yeah. It's like, why would I do that? So yeah, I'm, if I was going to buy it, I'd be waiting for the digital anyway. So I, I'm assuming the servers are going up tomorrow if I'm getting the code. So yeah, coming about, about a week. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's kick off the show proper. We're going to cycle back to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. We talked about it last week. Um, both Matt and I were, I don't know, 10-ish hours into the game, somewhere mm. around there. Um, neither one of us have finished the game No. still. I'm, I, not, I'm not really trying, to be honest. I'm more of a wanderer in these games. I'm not necessarily trying to finish the game, but we'll, we'll get to why I think that whole concept is irrelevant with this game anyway. But I have literally spent every... A spare moment I have had for the last eight to ten days playing this game, and I still have not finished it. Yeah, it's and it's interesting that like there have been times when I played it a lot and I kind of put it down and I was like, oh, I can't look at another freaking olive tree. Yeah, you know, it's like I was yeah, you know, or I don't I don't want to look at any more chalk chalk cliffs, please. <laughs> and like it just it it, I, it kind of like overwhelmed me. It was too much. And then like twenty minutes later, I'm like, I should play more Assassin's Creed. Like it just it, it it's gotten my it's hooks into me. I've, sure. I've, I'm guessing I've not looked at my time. I'm guessing I've played 40 to 50 hours at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same realm. Like, I think my save is like 53 hours, but a few times I have kind of left it on idle and gone and done other things, so I don't think it's accurate. Yeah. But I, it's definitely between 40 and 50 at this point. The game is just gigantic, and there's been Huge. kind of a... It's just... It's I, mean, you, I mean, even after all that, and I, like, I, you know, I showed you my map that's like... Basically, the, the starting sections in Athens are uncovered, and then there's a, like a strip to the southeast because I wanted to do the arena, so I just sort of sailed, sailed down that way and kind of did all that stuff. But all the stuff from the lower, le lower left and upper, le upper right of the map, just, I still haven't been anywhere there, near there, partly because a lot of the stuff in the upper part is too high level for me still, but like, yeah. there's so much left. And like, every time you get there, there's all these like, side quests and character-based stuff. Like, not even like the procedural stuff that has no real meat to it, yeah. but like real like, side quests where quests, there's conversations yeah. and cutscenes and things that happen. And some of it's very funny. Like, I, it has a sense of humor, like the, the Minotaur quest chain on, uh, on Crete is actually really entertaining and, and kind of does some funny things. I have not even done that. Um, and you get it. You get. Unfortunately, the, th the so like part of the the thing about it is a guy is dressing up as the Minotaur, and he, the thing he wears is a hel like a a bull head made out of an actual bull's head that's been hollowed out, and like it's gross. It's really gross. And like that's what you one of the rewards at the end of the quest. <laughs> and it was the best helmet I oh. had for like ten hours, <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm just running around with this decaying bull's head on my on my face. And like running around, and no one's no one comments on it. Of course, it's like oh, a guy, a, a woman dressed with a bull's head showed up and killed everyone and ran off with all our gold. I don't know, like, but it, so it was funny. But it was also I was very glad when I finally got a normal helmet that like outclassed it in the book. Because yeah. the because not just about armor, it's about like the bonuses that like tie in. Yeah, the buffs like on each piece. Yeah, and I finally found something that like um, buffed armor percentage and fire damage in the way that I wanted it to, and switched over to that. So now I look much more respectable. But um, probably it is a long slog. Just it's just, it just it's so much to do, and like uh, I I thought I'd get tired of it by now because like one of the things I was I did go back and finish Origins a, a couple weeks ago because I wanted to finish it before this came out, and I, that took ended up taking I was just the DLC I had to do, but that turned out to take me about twenty hours, and I was like, oh, I hope I didn't like 
overdose on this new Assassin's Creed formula because it is to new. the to yeah. the point that like now I'm going to go to Odyssey and be like, well, I already played this like for 20 hours. I don't want to do it anymore. It's different enough to me in terms of how all the fights unfold that like and how you how it's a more dynamic thing for some reason to me. I just I don't get bored playing this game not yet. And I was a little bored playing Origins by the 50 hour mark. I'll tell you that much. I was just sort of complete by the by this point in Origins, I had turned the sound down and was like listening to like archaeology lectures and music while I was running around doing stuff. I just I was just over it, and I'm not doing that with the the most of Odyssey at this point. I'm I'm starting to burn out on it. I'll I'll admit I'm now when I get a new quest, I'm like oh really? Because I feel like the game was gonna wrap up like a couple different times, hmm. and then it didn't. Because the story felt like it was kind of wrapping yeah, up. Yeah, like or... you're fight, like reaching a conclusion of, of some sort. Well, I mean, it is it is the Odyssey. It, I mean, that's it, it's accurately titled. That's the, for uh, sure. The Odyssey is about a man trying to go home who keeps getting sidetracked for a decade, yeah. which is uh, <laughs> yeah. not yeah. entirely <laughs> wrong. Because uh, that's, that's, that happens to me. I mean, I mean, you saw um, when you came over today to start setting up. Uh, I had I was trying I was going to kill one of the cult members on the west end of Crete because I wanted to, uh, I'm trying to gather enough to upgrade this, uh, the, 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 the artifacts to upgrade the spear. Yeah. And I had marked that guy at like 11.30 a.m. and was promo- playing most, most of the time straight until you got here at like 3.30. And I, st- had, I was in a fight with him at the time you got here. Because wow. that's how long it took me to not just get there to where I had to go and then work my way over to where it was, but on the way there, I kept getting sidetracked by weird. Th- I'm like, because I, I intend to go to the place and just do the thing, but there's so but many I keep, distractions. And there's things like, oh, I'll come back and do this later. But some things, I'm just like, I gotta see what this is, you know. Yeah. Like, and like, I love that. That's my favorite thing about doing like an open world game is when it can distract me enough that I don't realize that I've gone completely off the path I intended to do because I got distracted by all these other interesting things. Um, and some games can do that, and some games can't. Uh, and this game is really good at doing it. Um, Let, let's talk about the big, really kind of sticking point with this game that people have been discussing uh, since consumers have had a chance to play it, and it was mentioned in a lot of reviews, is the way the level gating works in the game. Now, I think this is a great discussion for us to have because you play games completely different from me, particularly mm-hmm. games like this. You tend to just do tons of side quests and do everything, I tend to kind of stay on the main path and just stray off whenever I get interested in something. I, I def- especially open world stuff, I will always do all the side stuff before I move the main story forward. This is probably in part uh, a result of being an achievement nut yeah. in the 360 era. And usually back then there was a thing, basically the assumption was if you want to get all the achievements, you better be doing all the side everything, stuff before yeah. you move the main story forward because you can miss stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't care about achievements really anymore, um, but I still do play these games in a very completionist way. And I would say I probably play it more like the average player does. Uh, in my experience, I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, most people like will just kind of don't feel compelled to do everything. And you can't do everything in this game. Well, because um, the procedural quests just never stop, right. so you have to kind of prioritize. Yeah, those you just kind of got to let go of. There is a secret to the best way, to, in my opinion, the best way to uh, to balance those, and I can get into that once we get to it. But because uh, I think it's important, I think it's an important way of uh, not gaming the system, but I think it's definitely the way they intend you to to progress more quickly. 
Well, he, here's the first thing I'm going to say on, on this topic related to this game is that you can't really play this game the way I usually play games. You, you can't... Maybe it's possible. I'm sure eventually videos will pop up of people doing it that are really, really good at the game. But I don't think it's possible for the average player to just mainline through the quest in this game because the way the enemies are leveled and how much more powerful they are than you, even if they're just one level above you, you pretty much have to experience the vast bulk, I would say, of the side content. Yeah, it wants you to get lost. It wants you to kind of like... Well, it wants you to experience all the content in the game. It, wa which... it definitely wants you to kind of like encounter most of the things that you can do. It doesn't want you to just like ignore everything in favor of just sort of beelining through the golden path. To see path. the story and all um, that stuff. Because in part, and I think that is in part inten intentional because of... Oh, it's intentional, the, uh, no doubt about but it. I've, but people think it's intentional to sell you microtransactions. I think it's intentional because uh, it's, an, it's, it's part of the Odyssey idea. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. A little bit, but like... <laughs> I mean, but it's, like, look, it's funny I, that they, they put out this code that you can spend $10 on that makes it play like a normal Assassin's Creed game. Well, well whatever that means now. Um, Meaning that you can play it the way I usually play open world games. And I don't know about it. it. Cause like, so, we, so we can't quite figure out, I guess, whether I have the boost enabled or not. Right. Because I bought the Ultimate Edition, Yeah. which says it comes with something, like some kind of yeah, boost thing XP on it. Boost, yeah. But I can't find any indication of that and when like I showed you when you go to the store on my game it still has the permanent boost stuff for sale it yeah. doesn't and it doesn't everything else says it is like in the owned section and mine doesn't have that and then like and you were also surprised by how much wood I had oh yeah um, I've been scavenging <laughs> for wood the entire game so I literally think, every tree I'm like oh my gosh it's wood so I don't see and I don't have any kind of progression problems with the leveling or with the resources and I think that's because of how I play the game and how I, I think that's I just, part of it. it. Might be part part of the code that you have too. I there was no code though. Like that's the thing is, there's no indication. It's never been any indication in my game. But why wouldn't I, you get it if it comes in the package? I don't know. Like you, it's, you've got. I think you've got it. Maybe I don't know. Like if if I do have it, how come I can buy the, the ten dollar boost in addition? I think that might just be an oversight. Maybe. Or maybe Ubi just wants you to spend the ten. I mean, I wonder if I did that, would it then boost it even further? Maybe. Like because at that point, that's crazy. Like because. I feel like the curve in what I'm playing is pretty pretty smooth. Like it's yeah. you know, and, I, and I'm not I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to the story. Like I am getting sidetracked a lot, so I have outleveled the story on a regular basis. Yeah, um, he's way higher level than me, and we played about the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. I'm much farther in the but, story than you. Yeah, but the trick part of the trick is I think you were ignoring the bulletin board stuff. I was for a long yeah. time because frankly most of the bulletin board stuff is pointless. It looks boring. It's, yeah, it's all procedurally generated. It's anything you see in the you go to the bulletin board, anything that has like the little hourglass mark next to it. Usually that even it's even titled like bounty for politician or bounty for whatever. Those are pointless. They're yeah. like you get minimal XP. It's all the same sort of procedure. Like what's going on? I don't like this person. Okay, I'll go kill him. And you go kill him, come back. Good work. Here's some drachmae. It's like, great, you're done. It's not worth anything. But there are other quests on the board that have no icon. There's no little white icon next to them. And they're all like long-term notes. That's the other thing is the things that they have a time limit on them. Right. Like those, those brownie quests. So the ones that have no icon have no time limit. And they're all stuff that you're going to do anyway. They're also like kill, destroy five Spartan triremes in the oceans. Uh, kill 10 Spartan Brutes, uh, sabotage 10 uh, 
Athenian supplies, like stuff like you know, things you're going to do in the course of playing the game anyway. And I pick all those up. And one of the weird things that happens is when you go to different boards, sometimes you'll get different of these quests that have the same objective. Yesterday I had three different titled quests that all had the same objective, which was destroy five Spartan triremes. So I went out and I did that. And I sank the fifth one, and all three quests popped at the same time and gave me like 30,000 XP, oh and I went up a level and a half instantly. See, that, that's what makes me think that you do have the XP boost, because even though you did three quests, like I've never got more than like 5,000 XP for finishing a quest. You, I mean, five to 6,000 is about normal, but like... The to me, it's like 2.5 to like... It's like twenty five hundred. Well, like they've 4, gone they've gone up as I've leveled up into the late thirties. Which is 30s. typical, yeah. Because um, it all, everything scales. Like even yeah. even the story stuff and like the early stuff. Because there's stuff I got when I was like level ten and I still haven't gotten around to it. And that stuff is everything that you out level is is then uh, scaled two levels below you. Um, I think that's the same as like there was a level scaling option in Origins that did the same thing. But um, one way or the other, I don't know. Like, so I don't know. We'd have to start comparing exactly what yeah. we get for each thing and that. But like, the leveling has not been an issue for me. Uh, you are correct that if you run into somebody who's one level above you, it is very noticeable. Oh like, yeah. E even now, you got to chip damage them to beat them. Yeah. Even even now, like I'm at level 30 not, 38, and even like I, I just fought a level 39 when when because you know, I was trying to kill that cultist and somebody saw me kill somebody and reported me and one of the mercenaries showed up and the mercenary was level 39. It doesn't take that long to kill them because I have a lot of like bonuses on my sword and stuff. I've, I've definitely built the sword to be, you know, to, it's got like 15% damage bonus for swords. It's got all, you know, so I'm doing more damage than a, just a standard weapon would. But it took a while. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very noticeable. If I run into somebody two levels above me, I will probably run. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're very dangerous. Uh, my, my record for the mercenary, the mercenaries are the most dangerous characters in the game. My record is fighting four of them at once and not dying. Um, although that was there was a lot of cheesing and there was a lot of setting things on fire. I, I cheese a lot in this game because what happens if you're playing the way I play, you'll finish a mainline quest and then you'll go look at the list of quests and the next quest, it'll recommend like the level. Mm -hmm. It'll be three levels above where you are. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way. If you go and try to complete that quest, they literally one-hit you and kill you. You could probably do it if you're an expert, but I mean... So much random crap happens in this game when you're in fights. People come from out of nowhere and attack you, or you get caught on, like, a table, and it literally, just one whack, mm. you die. So it forces you to go back. And what I found is that I literally have to complete every side mission to get so I'm one level below the next story mission. Mm. And so I have literally had to play the entire game. There are points where I'm like, oh my gosh, I've done all the side missions, I'm still not one level below the recommendation for the next main campaign mission, and I have. That's when I started using like the board stuff. That's when yeah, I. That's with the board stuff. That's, that's when I went and fought out. like the pig. That's in, right. So that's when I started like digging deep into that. By the, the way, uh, the, that's the the pig is the hunting quest for the Artemis daughters of Artem, Artemis thing. The pig is the hardest one in the whole quest. Yeah. Line. Like just so you know, because like that was one of the first things I really had a moment where I'm like, I don't know if I can beat this. Because and then I came back when I was leveled up. But I realized that it, 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 it did... It scaled, probably. Because I was the right level... <laughs> I was the same level as the quest when that happened. And I leveled up twice and came back. And it was still pretty tough. Yeah. I, had, I had to... So the pig hadn't actually gone up and leveled in. The pig was still two levels below me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because it was 13 and I was 15. It was really hard. And it was still... It made it was me a, not do another one. And then I come yeah. here and Matt's like, oh, the other ones aren't anywhere. Yeah, the other ones hard. are not... Because the pig... <laughs> the pig... I was like, screw this. I had to fight him like 12 or No, I mean, there's, there's some crazy... Because I used like a spear and like just was really careful and, and used like the dodge slow time thing to like... Yeah. 
yeah. kill off the additional pigs. Because early on, like, I remember the first time I fought him, I was trying to use a sword because I prefer the sword, and I just I wasn't getting anywhere, and he was knocking me around, and then he he summoned the other pigs, but I didn't realize what he was doing because I'd never seen him before. And I'm like, what's he doing? And the pigs coming from the sides of the screen, and one of them knocks me off my feet, and then the other one juggles me. With, like in midair yeah, and pig. knocks me like out of the ring. I, I hate the word. It knocked me game. out of the fight area, and I came back. And after I came back in the fight area, the the pigs, the boss pig's life had completely regenerated. And I'm like, well, fuck this. I'm coming back later when I got a better sword. I hate the warthogs um, in this game. So yeah, they're uh, so hard I've to predict, the, and they take like a third of your health when they hit you. So I've killed the the. They're not so bad anymore now that I've got better better equipment. But like. Uh, I've killed the lion and the heart and uh, I think one other and they were all like super simple compared, compared to, the, to, to the pig. The first one. They That's start. So weird. They start you with like just the, the like, hardest one. Yeah. They, they, for whatever reason, they want to put the fear of God in you when you when you start. It worked. Quest. I like, never yeah. even thought about doing another one after that. But yeah, now I, I will. That I've talked to you. Yeah. So. The, the others I've done have not been near because they don't summon other other you know other animals to fight with you. Yeah. Uh, they they don't have nearly as annoying like you know like. Because because every quartered life bar basically they do a special move or whatever. But like you know like the like the the, the deer is like was super because the deer was the first one I fought after that. I'm like oh I hope this doesn't suck. And like the deer has a move where he like kind of charges you and just like you dodge to the side and he gets his antler stuck in the ground and you just like yeah, whack him. Like, yeah. He does it constantly. I was like okay this is fun. This is actually <laughs> enjoyable. Okay. I, I think um, my overall point about how the level gaining works is is I think it was a bad decision and here's why. The way the old games were made, I could enjoy them, and you could enjoy them. You could go and still collect everything and do everything you wanted to, and I could play the game the way I wanted to play it. The way this one is set up, and again, I did not play a ton of the last game. I stalled after like 10 hours or something. So maybe this was the way the last one was, because I, I wouldn't It was, it. pretty much. It was. I, I think, actually, the leveling on this is much more smooth and... Uh, and actually, it feels like the DLC for Origins, because or one of the things that struck me about Origins is as soon as you get in the DLC, the quests start giving you 10,000 and more yeah. per quest. And right. the old ones were like, I mean, you got like 25 XP for a stealth kill. In this game, you get like, in Odyssey, you get like 250. Yeah. You know, they've, and I don't know what the difference in like leveling like totals are for each level. Maybe they just upped it by a factor of 10 or whatever, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like, you know, like I've leveled up... Um, just sinking ships and stuff. Yeah. Whereas, like in in Origins, it was like I have to get a quest done, or I am never going to get to the next level. Um, the, the Origins felt way stingier about giving you XP in any decent amount until the DLC. The DLC was just the DLC threw. 10, 20, 30,000 XP quests that you were repeatedly, which is why getting that much XP for this stuff in this game did not really strike me as strange because it felt like in Origins DLC they figured out that this is how they got to pace right. it. Well, my, um, my point is so. that... I, I but there were points in early in Origins where I'm like, oh, I guess they just want me to go wander around and do other shit because there, there was a point in Origins I remember early on where like I finished a story thing and the next quest was like six levels above me and I'm like, yeah. oh, I guess I just got to wander around and go find some stuff Something to do, to do you know? yeah. uh, That hasn't happened nearly as much in this game, although I feel like this game, Odyssey pulls me into just wandering around and seeing stuff and doing random things, and, oh, there's a fort, I'm just going to go do that. You know, like, for whatever reason, like, I am much more inclined to just kind of wander around and do whatever happens to pop up in front of me in this game than I was in Origins. Origins, I was more driven to kind of do what I... I was more driven to do what happened next... And ended up having to do other things to get to the thing that happened next, if that makes any sense. It, it does. But my, my argument is that I'm being forced to play through content that I, in my opinion, 
is not the best content in the game. And generally that's how it works. The side missions are not as interesting, not as intricate, not as involved. And that's why I usually skip a lot of it. Like I'll find some that look interesting and I'll tackle them to kind of see what the side missions are like. But I'm not the person who's gonna play through every one. And this game forces you to play through what I believe is the worst content in the game, relatively speaking. So I like the way the old games were because you could play the game the way you wanted to and I could play the game the way I wanted to. I cannot play this game the way I want to. And I think that's why I'm starting to burn out on it because I've done the same quest types so many times at this point that, it, it, I mean, look, I've played it for 40 or 50 hours. That's plenty. Like, it, it just, I don't know. Well, they're not going to release not, another look, one for two years, so they want to make sure this lasts two years. It so might. I mean, that might that might actually be part of the strategy. Who knows? Could be. It feels, I mean, if most of this stuff does feel for pretty well crafted. Yeah. Um, the th I mean, I think I think you're being a little hard on the side quest stuff. Uh, I don't. I think I agree with you in that regard on like the the bulletin board stuff. I think the because the, there's different sections of in the quest log of like there's Odyssey, which is the main story. Right. There's um, uh, character, which is like character. Those are the side missions. The side basically. missions that those are the side missions that involve characters you've met during your main quest, basically. Like yeah. so. So you go to this party and you meet all these these philosophers, including Socrates, and now there's a quest I can do where Socrates has something he wants me to do. Was that a side um, quest, though? Yeah. I thought that was mainline. Well, I have one right now that's him. Oh, okay. I haven't gotten through it yet, but gotcha. there's one where it was one, because it says the name of the character you're dealing with under the quest, under and one, each of, one, one of them yeah. says Socrates. And um, who is a weird character in the <laughs> sense that, like, he's kind of a dork that nobody likes. Yeah. And, like, I kind of like that yeah. take on, on... I mean, the, I kind of figured that's the way he was. It might have been. I mean, he's I mean, a he, genius, he, so. he, he, And he was always asking people, like, the he's kind of like the, the guy on your Facebook who won't stop asking, like, rhetorical questions about what does everyone really believe? It's like, dude, right. you don't... <laughs> like, just say what you think. Yeah. And, I, and like, that's actually a thing that, like, happens in the game, yeah. where, like, where your character is, like... It's like like talking to one of the other characters about Socrates, like he just asks a bunch of questions and never says anything. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much him. The other weird thing about Socrates is he's one of the characters in the game whose character model clips through his own clothes. Yeah. Like he's got a tiny section of his beer gut that like <laughs> clips through the front his of his toga. Gut. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that a thing? Like, like, how did that not get fixed? Like the first day someone saw it. And like, he's also he's got like the toga wrapped over his over his arm because that's how you had to hold them together. Right. And um, and sometimes when he moves his arm, the toga flap like freaks, freaks out, out and like yeah. orbits his hand 14 times or something. Yeah. It's just weird. There's little stuff like I that. I mean, you've got the usual. It's not game breaking stuff, but you got little bugs that like. This kind is of actually to me one of things. the cleaner Assassin's Creeds I've played in for recent its, memory. For its size, it is pretty. I mean, it's no yeah. Unity, that's for sure. Yeah. But it is there's moments where I've, I've had to restart the game several times because the game just went black like the screen just goes black when i come back from the menu screen and like yeah. the sound effects still work and i can still hear that i'm moving around but i can't see anything one time in the middle of an arena battle my life bar disappeared which is a problem in that scenario so like you just had to make sure that i had to make sure that i was healing myself to keep it up and then when i left the arena the life bar was still gone and it remained gone so i just i'm like i better restart the game uh, one side character in a side quest chain uh, had a rectangle around him the whole time. His character model had like a rectangular box around him that wasn't like a solid box, but it was like you could see the outline. It was like he was a badly matted special effect almost. Yeah. So just little things, like not like game breakers, but things where I had to restart the game a couple times and things that like yeah, I've had a jumped few out issues, at me more often. But I mean, I've been playing the game for like 50 some hours at this point. I've yeah, only I mean, had a couple point, issues. At this I point, mean, we're QA testers at that point. Yeah. yeah but like, 
It's, I've noticed a few more things of, of that nature in this than I noticed in Origins, which was interesting. Although, that is interesting. Um, I didn't see as, as much stuff like that in Origins. Um, and one of the arguments I saw this week, people attempting to defend the game, um, they're saying, well, you know, journalists have to plow their way through the game, mm. and that's why they're complaining about the level gating and things like that. I am not in that position. I am not in a position where I had to hit a certain date or I have to finish. Mm. I'm playing it just as I would normally play a game if I were just somebody who went and bought it. And I'm having issues with it. And I think another thing you should take into consideration too is that these game journalists have been doing this for a long time. They've played under deadlines for a long time. So they still are going to be able to notice when a game is worse at something than another one. They may exaggerate to the degree that it has the issue, but in rel in relation to other games, they're still going to be on point when they say this it is worse in this game than it is in another one. Um, and, and I agree. I think the the level gating is an issue in the game, depending on how you want to play it. And for the way mm -hmm. I play the I game, I mean, if I was playing this on a deadline, I would definitely be annoyed by it. Yeah, it's it would definitely be an issue. Um, it's not an issue to me because I don't I don't play it that way. Uh, I am well aware I'm not going to finish it in time for the next thing I need to play to be current for this yeah. show. Uh, if I was just, you know, on my own with no obligations to something like that, I would probably just play this until Red Dead came out. It is really addictive. I mean, I've again, I've played it 50 hours in the last like eight mm -hmm. days. So the game is good. And I think the majority of the people who are going to buy this, who are Assassin's Creed fans, are going to really like it. Yeah, I think so. Um, um, especially if you liked Origins' change up of the format. The, yeah. Uh, I mean, the formula, this feels very much like Origins was a prototype for this. Yeah. Like, I think, I, I, th I said it last week too, but I'm, I, I think more so even now, everything, all the systems in this game seem to work together to, to encourage you to kind of deal with the other systems and, and there's a lot of overlap that makes it feel a little more organic. I think encourage is a nice word. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, basically forced to, to use everything and do everything. Well, I don't really find that to be a problem. I would never right. describe... That's how you would play it anyway. Yeah, I, I want to do all the mercenary stuff. I want to kill all the cultists and upgrade my spear so I can upgrade my abilities so I can do more cool stuff when I clear that fortress so I can get the next uh, you know, our, you know, tablet that gives me the mystery treasure to go over here to get that to sell that so I can upgrade this so I can keep using this. But I mean, like that's the, the chain. The that just, that's right what I love. That. I love that part. That's what I like in open world games and that's what keeps me playing. And This one is doing it even better than Origins did, and I played Origins for 100 hours. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how this turned out. The one thing I will say is I'm a big fan of Assassin's Creed in general. Like, I loved the first game from the start. The only two games in the series I don't like are probably Revelations and 3. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, I still think 3... Um, uh, three dumbed down the controls a lot in an effort to make it more streamlined, quote unquote. But then they gave you like the tree but climbing. They add, they added a bunch of stuff, and also like the the point of the old games, the original games, was that you had all this massive con amount of control over the character called the marionette system. The yeah, buttons, yeah, that's right. You know, corresponded yep. to all the different the legs and the arms and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And when you took that away, like the characters became very sticky. When you're just trying to run down, you know, you're trying to run down a street and you're sticking to the wall instead you're of trying to run away from an enemy and you're getting like, caught on like a yeah. table or something. And uh, and this, you still get some of that here. Uh, it's not as you know they've they've figured it out for the most part. But here and there, there's still weird things where I'm like, I just want to climb up that ledge. Please let me climb up that ledge before this wolf kills me, kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that um, happens to me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that kind of thing. And I, and yeah. I still miss the control. And then you like, yeah, and you're like. 
you think you're going up, and then you end up like dropping down, yeah. like one like handhold, and you get like killed. Like yeah, that st- stuff happens every once yeah, in a I while. Yeah, I still miss that level of control from Assassin's Creed 2, the, the, the Ezio games, basically. Yeah. Um, I think they made a mistake uh, in revamping the controls for three, and they've never completely recovered from it. Um, which makes the fact that one of the bonuses for pre-ordering this game uh, is a remastered three right. even more hilarious to me. <laughs> um, but like. The, so, so there's a, there's an issue with that, but like thinking about that and kind of in comparison to the old games, my favorite is still Brotherhood. Two and Brotherhood, I think, are the peak of the series. I think most people and agree four, that Brotherhood. I is mean, Black the best. Flag is great because it's got ship stuff. I don't right. like Black Flag when it makes you get off the boat and and eavesdrop on people. Yeah, uh, that's why if you're if you if you're feeling the need to go back and do the piracy thing, uh, I would suggest Rogue because I'd say uh, Black Flag is like fifty fifty piracy stuff and yeah. assassiny stuff. And Rogue is like 80% piracy stuff and like 20% assassiny stuff. But one of the things that I think I realized that I miss uh, while playing this was, um, and partly because I read that Assassin's Creed oral history that was curated a few days ago, um, the idea of that the early games had of the blade in the crowd, yeah, where like the the dynamic crowds and kind just of the how crowds, you'd hide I mean, in, that was a huge yeah, part of you'd it. hide in groups in and, and like some your your target would come by and like you just sort of do that quick like well, remember stab it had thing that whole mechanic and like no where one if would walk with people at the right speed. You'd it, automatically walk. You with became them. like this group, and, and you if automatically the guy walked, walk with and them. if the guy walked past you, you just like hit the button and you quickly yeah. stab him, and no one even notices. And I was like, what happened? What happened to him? And you just walk, and you're already down the street. Yeah. Um. And that was like one of the you know when Unity when once Unity actually worked properly. Uh, you know, Unity's whole thing was like there were thousands of people in the crowd. Like it was, you know, they, they double. That was the thing they doubled down on for next gen. What early on this generation was, yeah. we can put tons more people in it. Right. And Syndicate had that too until they. Re- and so, like, that's one of the things I think I miss uh, in the end is like the crowd density being part of the gameplay concept. Um, I feel like maybe the next one they could start to integrate that more. Like maybe I don't know when they're going to set it or what. You know, it sounds like we got two years at least before the next one. Yeah. Um, I would love to see them reintegrate that idea back into the the new formula um, because I think that was part that was a, a part of the series identity. That because like, I don't I like this new action RPG angle a lot, but uh, I feel I like th- I feel like that's a part of the. Uh, the series identity that they've sort of lost and they should try to regain. There's, I think there's been a bunch of things that they've lost in the change. And That's true, but I think that is the one thing that really stood out, stands out to yeah. me. Is like if I, I if mean, that want, was a fundamental yeah, of If you were going to do one thing yeah. with the new formula that would make it feel more like Assassin's Creed to me, it would be that, yeah. to bring that back. Because honestly, this game to me is like Assassin's Creed The Witcher. Yeah, or like Splinter Cell with swords. Yeah, a bit. like the, you know, it's, that's the other thing that bugs me about the the, the command the, the control revamp from three, and it bugs me to this day in this game, is the thing that was one of the things that was great about the Ezio era was that you had the right trigger. I mean, it was it was probably it was R two I guess on PS three. The right trigger made you go loud. Like you were by default, you were sneaky, and if you wanted to go, oh, right. well, you wanted yeah, to yeah. go loud, you held r- the right no, you're trigger right. Yeah. And to it's stand up. Like or to a be run up. button, though. Yeah, wasn't it? it was yeah. like it was what you held to move. It yeah. was, you know, and now, like you, you know, three change it so you have to rely on context sensitive stealth zones. Yeah, which can go wrong real easy if you if you and the game disagree on where that bush stops. Yep. And happens yeah. in this game all the time does, where, where yeah. like you've got strips of bushes, like, you know, foliage that you're supposed to hide in and somewhere in there's there in the middle there's like pixel. two inches yeah. <laughs> where the developers didn't like overlap the two things and I and suddenly I'm in, I'm randomly oh, then they instantly in the clear it. and everyone's yeah. like 
there. And I'm like, and next thing you know, I'm like, like there's like five I'm in, flaming arrows I'm like, coming. Dude, I'm in five inches of bush. Yeah. Like yeah. you could see me already. Anyway, you're up there. You're looking down at me. I am a guy in a in a in a hood. Yeah. In four inches of grass, I guarantee you, I'm visible. But now I'm I'm outside of the magic stealth zone, and I have no control over that. Which so because like that's the, one of the things in stealth games like this. I think if you you have to make sure that the player always feels that they have control over what they've screwed up, and don't feel like the game screwed it up for them. And yeah. I continually feel like the game screwed it up for me. Yeah, that, that's I mean I in feel that, like in that sense, I feel like Assassin's Creed has been kind of that way for a while. Oh yeah, when well, it goes back to three. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, that's one of the things that they lost when they got rid of the go loud trigger and yeah. uh, they've never quite found a way to make that satisfying. Uh, they've come close and sometimes they just give you the tools to work around it. I think they've done that in this. I mean, I have rarely do I run into a situation where I'm giving, given away by you know a, a lack of, of bush coverage and then, and then I can't fight my way out of it, but I would have preferred to like, you know, succeed at what I was trying yeah. to do instead of having to just stab people for five minutes. Yeah, I, I think to kind of wrap it up, I <coughs> if you love the old style of Assassin's Creed, I think, and you didn't play Origins, you're in for an eye opener here. Yeah, um, you're you're getting a ton of game here, and you very well could play this for like two months if you played it like a normal human being. Which I, you know, I'm obsessive with games, and I just kind of plow through them. But a lot of people can't do that or don't want to do it that way. This game could literally last you for months. I mean, yeah, no question, it is really really big bigger than i will. think my, people who I mean, have yet not played it yet can even really comprehend yeah, i mean my guess is that like i'm going to keep playing and then starlink is going to come out next week and yeah. i'm going to start playing that and then red dead comes out and i'm going to start playing that and sometime around thanksgiving i'm going to go back to finish Gre- it back to greece yeah uh even though i have not finished red dead redemption 2 yet yeah because we know that's also going to be a thing that is huge and happens but I also think more casual fans of the franchise should be warned because if they did not play Origins, they're in for a rude awakening with this game. You're going to have to play the whole thing. Lots of quests and stuff like that that you may not have messed with in prior games. You're going to have to play it unless you're like a god at the game. Like, I don't even know if you could be good enough to overcome the level gating in this. I, I don't even I know if that's possible. I think you can to some degree, like, like, but if as soon as that... Because you know they have the, the level coding on the car- the enemies. If that because f- it's like you can have a couple levels above them, but then if you go beyond that, the number turns red. And if you go a couple levels beyond that, it's, it's just, just a, a skull. skull. Yeah. If you're fi- if I don't know, you would have to be real good to fight anyone with a red number. Uh, I don't think you could. I don't think you could beat them. I mean, you could. You could but beat it would one. Take, it would. But take you, you never so fight long. just one. Well, no, you you could, but it would take you so long. You might as well just do the fucking side quest. Yeah, because yeah, you can probably like, go yeah. through the side quest and come back in the amount of time the you have time to redo take you to chip it him to down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, the whole now, game is a lot of chipping. It's like you have these bars that like, and you're delivering these insane combos that like knock them up into the air and slam them down on the ground, and they lose a pixel of health. It's yeah. so, well, it's dam- kind of absurd. The in a damage lot of ways. is more related to your gear it absolutely than, is, uh, yeah. than what you're doing and what you're make sure you're engraving gear at the black engrave the gear it keep, makes keep your favorite difference. stuff upgraded properly um that's another thing i don't like though is how you're constantly having to go into the menus and re-equip new gear i haven't i don't do that too much anymore i'm like, always in because it's like you never get like a whole set so you don't get like now I have a new helmet, and I have a new sword, and I have a new, and I have new like a body armor, and I have new greaves, and I have new leg armor. You'll get like a 
a helmet that's level 19, but you're only level 17. And then you'll get chest armor that's actually your level, and you can use that right away. And then 40 minutes later, you'll get the greaves. And, and so I'm just constantly going back, because you need to, because you need to get that next level of that gear to make the game manageable. So I'm just constantly think, going in and I like think that's definitely true. adjusting like the, my gear. In the early parts, I haven't had to worry about that for 15 levels or so. But you play but it like, completely different from everybody else. Yeah, but, not my everybody else but, my, but I'm still fighting guys at my, or my level with my gear on. Like, like, as long as you're upgrading your engravings and keeping that going. Like, for a long time, I was using a level 28 sword until I was level 34. And then I finally upgraded yeah. it again. Sometimes you can to, upgrade gear at the blacksmith, and it will be more more powerful than gear that you get that's technically two or three levels higher well, yeah, than yeah because usually what you're upgrading is a purple or a yellow yeah, or gold it's extreme and yeah. gold and per, you know, it, the the level of rarity determines kind of the cap of yeah. that so like so a level 4 say say I've upgraded my level 28 legendary to my current level that's going to be a higher damage like rating than like a, the than the best purple I ever find yeah. at that level. So yeah. I so I I keep upgrading for the most part the gold stuff, um, which is expensive. Those take a lot it of does, resources yeah. to upgrade. So I only do that every ten levels or so. It's but worth I'm, it though. I'm, I'm I'm hanging in there. Like and the other yeah. thing is of course uh, as long as you're keeping your assassin damage up with whatever gear you're using, um, you can take out some pretty powerful dudes. Pretty it quickly. is pretty hilarious though when you like you're perched up on like a castle wall. And there's a guy down on the ground, and you dive down from like 30 yards and do your assassination move, and it literally takes like one thirtieth of his bar off. Like it just—you can I just, just see don't run into that. Like, it I, happens all the time, all the time, I, I, all the time. Where are you doing that? I mean, there was though? a comic about it from Penny Arcade today. That was actually the the middle yeah, cell. That. Was the guy jumping from a wall down onto an enemy and, like, the guy losing... Oh, if, yeah. Well, no, he steps to the side and he lands on the spear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but if like, you're playing the game the way the average person plays it, that is what that is what you're dealing with. But now. you can't be because, like... It is the levels are the, But the levels are the levels. Like, if you're a level this... It, I'm fight. just telling you. what After 40 hours of playing the game this way, that is my experience. Like, the rank and file why guys... Are, why yeah, I can, I can take all their health with one mm -hmm. shot. One assassination. But you start talking about the cap, the captains in the camps or whatever. Literally, assassinations will take about one twentieth of their health off. Yeah, well, I, with the captains, I'm usually going to do the 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 whatever you call the the double strike. Yeah. The thing that you hold the 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 Y button and that you do a double damage yep. strike on them, which usually can take a little over half off them for me right now. The one that uh, I what use I, is what I actually hold L one. And then hit one of the face buttons, and he does like the sweep with the legs, where they like fly up into the air, and then he's oh, that's the 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 yeah the spear kill. That actually is weaker. Is it? Uh, it only does the the level one version of that only does sixty percent assassin damage. So uh, you're doing less damage than if you just stabbed him. Um, and I've the, tried a million ways. Uh, the way I'm I, not alone on this. So there's tons yeah, of well, people I'm, out there that are having the same experience. I know, but I what I'm saying is like. It's not so much a difference of how you play and that you don't understand how to use the systems you're given to deal with those enemies. So, like, what yeah. I do with those guys um, in, a, uh, in a situation like a fort, first off, I pick off every normal dude I can't, obviously. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. But if and then I'm down to the last dude, I will use the predator strike, which is the, the, you know, the, the sniper shot with the bow, to 
plink him a couple of times because that yeah. can usually take off about a third of his life with two or three hits. And like they don't, if you're in cover, they don't know, they can't tell where you're. They know where the shot came from, but they don't know you're. You, right. you know, it's not yeah, an instant. Not like exposed. I know where you are, kind of thing. Yeah. So then, this, as they move to investigate with a little yellow exclamation mark, I'll move and like snipe him again and move. And when I th- think that they're down far enough, I'll maneuver myself around or above them and do the hold hold triangle slash Y. Uh, double strike, and that will usually kill them. Uh, the only time that gets more complicated is if they are they are a yellow, if they're a gold uh, captain, yeah. and I decide I want them on my ship crew. Right. Which means I have you to knock, knock, him, him I knock him out, which yeah. means I have to use the Sparta kick, which is the most unreliable freaking... There's two reasons that's unreliable. First off, it does almost no damn damage. It does not. So you got to hack them down way low. Unless you get them off of the, the roof. Yeah, but that kills them. So yeah, if you so want to... If I want to recruit them, i got to yeah. do it on the ground. And the other thing I run into when I'm trying to do that is if you kick them and instead of just you know losing their health and landing on the ground or they'll roll around until you can recruit them if they hit another object that object will kill them yeah which is like fuck you <laughs> like, this, like, like if i use the kick on him i clearly don't want him to die so why don't you just give me a break but i use you know, the kick like, to absolutely kill it oh i kick people off shit all the, i mean that's yeah. one of the most fun things it in the is, game yeah it's also how i take ships fast yeah, that's a good just way. Kick them off Anyone above. with the gold shield above them, just boot them off into the ocean, and the sharks will take care yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Which I love. I love the. And sharks that is a good part game. about the game is that you can find different ways to tackle the yeah. same problem. For instance, you and I fought the the boar mini boss completely different ways. We mm-hmm. both found ways to defeat him. But we were both annoyed. We were. <laughs> yeah, we both <laughs> thought we note. were. We both at a certain point <laughs> thought we were not going to be able yes. to beat. The pig. And it, and it put us off the rest of that quest, quest did. chain. I, did, I never yeah. went back and fought another one. I, I only that. did it because I fell into the Nemean Lion uh, area for it went for the, another quest or something. Uh-huh. Or I needed, I think it had like a like an object I needed. I, I had like ancient tablets or something I wanted. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll try to fight the lion. And like, I was like, oh, this is easy. I actually hey, beat hey, This is simple. Yeah. Okay. But I think overall, we both recommend the game. Yeah, no question. It, it's certainly worth $60. You are getting your money's worth and then some... And I would say maybe if you're a person who can only play on the weekends, maybe you you know you have a job and maybe you have kids that keep you busy during the week. If you only play it on weekends, you're like, good till Easter. You're yeah. <laughs> you, you may not have to buy another game. Yeah, you want to spend it. Yeah, choose wisely because it's like I, I feel like you're either going to want to play this or Red Dead. Yeah, and like, you probably won't fall into the grind either. I mean, unless you want to be line. I mean, although I would say like you kind of have to play this game to get good at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know I, if, I like, do. playing for, like, four hours and then coming back two weeks later, I think you'll that learn, might I, be a frustrating experience. I think learning the systems is more important than, you know, the, the combo system is not that complex. No. It's, it's uh-huh. not, there's no Dark Souls, yeah. even though they're taking inspiration from it. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, do not underestimate um, uh, elemental damage. Yeah. Uh, poison and fire. Like, I don't usually use that kind of stuff in I games. Either, I prefer, but I use it in this I game. Prefer just, <laughs> I prefer just, like, hit you really hard with the weapon and yeah. let that be the damage. But uh, setting, guys, setting guys on fire and, and poisoning them uh, with, with your weaponry is, like, yeah. But again, I, from the Very way I'm powerful. playing, it's kind of a necessity. Like, I would normally never, like, imbue my weapons with anything. Oh, I wouldn't either, but I do it on But me. in this game, like, one, it's kind of fun and cool because of the way it works. But also, it, it's necessary, I think. For some of the tougher enemies. I def- oh, it definitely expects you to be using everything yeah. in, your, in your toolbox, and and it definitely changed. It was a game changer when I finally like used something. I'm gonna because it, it happened with the fire. It was basically like I would I was fighting mercenaries who had fire abilities, and I was finding it was really annoying to deal with them. So you have to and keep I'm rolling, to rolling put it around, out. and like they kept hitting me, and every time I get close to them, even if I you know even if I was close and like do, doing good damage, 
they could just poke me once and now I'm on fire. I got to break everything up yeah. and, and roll around. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, Maybe I should be doing that. Literally fight fire with fire, basically. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it works really well. Like, yeah. it's great. And and you can hit huge groups of them with it and they, they all have like freak a meter. out. And, so yeah, it's like a As you hack them, it fills up. And when it gets full, they actually either ignite or get poisoned. Yeah. And you can upgrade it to make that meter fill real fast. Yeah. It, like, almost instantly. Like with, two hacks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, very useful. And also, if you look at the mercenaries in the uh, uh, in the the mercenary lineup, if you zo- if you zoom on on, on them, uh, you will see that they have weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, and so, it, you, a lot of times, it won't be weak to poison or weak to fire, and that can be a big help when you're being hunted down by these jerks yep. who, <laughs> who just seem to know where you are. I'm like, over the mercenaries at this point. I'm done. I, I, hate I like them. how they I hate them. I like how they disrupt. I so. liked them at first, and I, because for that reason, but now they're just annoying. No, I, I like, like it's just my meter's always full, and my, I'm either spending a ton of gold to like pay off to bribe them essentially, or I've never or I'm fighting like that. three of them while I'm clearing out a fort. It just gets annoying. I've never paid off any of that. I do sometimes if you know because sometimes uh, if someone sees you kill a leader uh, in a in a it's not a county, I guess a nation. Yeah. Call if someone sees you do that, and sometimes you have no choice because they just sit in the market. Yeah. And like, I'm just, just going to go up and stab you. You get an instant maximum. Yeah. And then like, I will always find the little, little red uh, money bag and you run to that guy and I will just, I will just run straight into the camp and like, kill the money and just bag, like yeah. stab and like, kill him <laughs> and then just run out because like, yeah. it's stabbing the one guy gets rid of your wanted level. Well, then so. someone will go and like set the fire that brings in all the reinforcements. Like, I don't know. I liked it at first because it made things unpredictable. But at first, I thought that that I had just randomly run into them. That's not how it works. Like, they literally know where you are. So as soon as you get the alert, a new mercenary has been sent out. Literally within, like, 30 seconds, you see that freaking mercenary. Well, that's not... It's not quite how it works. Because they are put on specific islands. Like... They wander around an island, but if you get get an alert... It's like a cop, I guess, in GTA. If you get an alert, they will then... Whatever, whatever closest mercenary on your island will then jump to where you are and come over to kind of investigate. Literally, exactly where you are. Like, you could be hiding in a bush when you get that alert, and the guy appears, and he immediately walks right over to that bush. Well, I've never seen He's that. Ne- oh, it happens but all the time. They come never in, seen you, has no idea, should have no idea where you are. No, I've never had that happen. Unless they, they, they secretly in, had cell phones in ancient Greece, and the people are like, oh, he's over in the bush. No, they, for me, they come in, and they look around, and if they see bodies, they'll poke around, and they sort of like do weird sort of like, they sort of do sort of wandering thing around there, and they, they are much better about alerting. Like, if you're in a, in a fort area, uh, this is one thing I've noticed a lot. One thing, if you're in like a big fort, and you can get, um, if you get in a fight, or you like go loud with some guys over on one end of the fort, and you're out of visual range of the other side, the other guys on the other side of the fort will not run over. Yeah, like they won't right. do. But if you do that on one side of the fort, and there's a mercenary, and you have a wanted level, you have the mercenary on the other side of the fort, that mercenary will realize that, and oh, bring, and bring all the right other guys away. with yeah. you. Like the mercenaries are just way more alert, basically. Yeah. Um, I still like them, because st- I like the, uh, the nemesis system thing, where you never quite know what you're gonna deal with with them. Uh, for the most part, they seem to play fair in the combat. They just got no, they, do. they got better abilities than I their average soldiers. Like, I, I honestly um, stopped paying the ransom. I just kill them all. 
Yeah. Because uh, because no of the reason not to. Well, another reason too is because of the level gating, and it, there were certain points in the game where I was just scrounging to get XP so I could <laughs> yeah. seriously so I could continue with the quest. And so they I'm do like, give good, they right? Give good and XP. I'm like, so if they're going to keep sending these guys, I'm just going to keep killing mm -hmm. them because it'll keep me ha from having to do side missions I don't want to yeah. do. So they're. You can also look on the mercenaries like board, like or the mercenaries like screen. Yeah. You can look at each one, and they'll tell you what they're going to drop. And some of them do have gold uh, items, which yeah. are one of a kind. And right. that's the only way you can get them. Yeah. Um, so I keep killing them. I, and they all have I think bios. I've paid them that's, off like twice. That's one of the things that I thought was most amazing is every single one of those fuckers has a bio. Yeah. Like they have a story. Oh, the game is exhausting. It's like incredible. That. It really is. So there you go. Definitely worth 60 bucks. I mean, if you've ever enjoyed an Assassin's Creed game, this is, like I said earlier, a little bit more like a traditional mm -hmm. action RPG like The Witcher. Uh, but if you like Assassin's Creed... I don't think anyone's going to regret spending $60 on this game. It is a gigantic game. It can be intimidating. Um, there were times where I was like, man, like, is this thing ever going to end? Like, I still feel that way right now after playing some today. Um, but I think most people don't play games the way that we do. And I think that, uh, and even, you know, it doesn't even bother me that much, honestly. But uh, I think most people who have enjoyed Creed in the past are going to enjoy it. Um, and I think you'll get your money's worth, and good luck getting it finished before Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out. Or Christmas. Or Christmas, really. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to complain that a game expects me to play it, really. Like, I, just, I feel like the, most of the content's worthwhile, ignoring the content I don't like. The only content I don't like is the procedurally generated fetch quests, and ignoring those has had zero downside so far. A lot of the side missions are fetch quests, though. It's either go here and get this, or it's go here and kill this dude and get something and then bring it back. Yeah, but at least like the the, the design side quests tend to at least send you into a new like location you haven't explored that sometimes yeah, has other sometimes. stuff in it and cool things to find. Whereas like the procedurally generated stuff on the bulletin board is like, yeah. I mean, I've it's literally like that. go here, talk to this woman, and then go talk to the. I, I did one last night that was like. Talk to this person. They give you an item to deliver, and like the delivery guy, the person to deliver to was two hundred yards behind me. It was just like, all right, cool. Like, You're really lazy. But thanks for the gold. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the five hundred gold. Yeah. And the ninety nine lumber. Yeah. Like, did you just give me a bunch of logs? I'll or take what? that. It's hard. Where did for you me, keep it's been that? hard to get wood in this game, and you need the wood to upgrade your ship. So, all right, we got to move on. We've, I think that's we've probably spent 90 minutes talking about <laughs> Assassin's Creed Odyssey nah, between two episodes. It hasn't even been an hour. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk next about a VR game. Believe it or not, we're going to talk about a VR game on Game Face. We have not talked about VR at all in months. I think the last time we talked about VR on Game Face, we were wondering whether it was doomed. Mm -hmm. um, and for good reason. I mean, it's... There's a reason we haven't talked about it in months, because there are no games that warrant talking about them on the show. But that has all changed, at least for me. Um, I have been playing Astrobot Rescue Mission for PlayStation VR. Well, I wouldn't say I have been playing it. I played it and I finished it. And it is flipping awesome. It is amazing. It is hands down the best VR game I have ever played, and it's not even close. Uh, some of you guys may remember Astrobot from was it a free yeah the free demo yeah, the, the that you could download the Playroom VR thing yeah yeah Playroom VR which was a free demo that you could download at the launch of PlayStation VR I'm guessing it's still free to download should be yeah um, and you can get a taste of it if you want to if you have PlayStation VR before you invest in the full game um, and it, in my opinion even back then if you go back and look at the Game Face episodes from when PlayStation VR launched I 
was saying back then that it was the best VR experience that I had back then. Well, they have crafted an entire game around that short demo. Uh, it, it was developed by some former members of the Ape Escape team. That makes sense. Which, yep, absolutely. Like when you start to think about it and look at it, it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and it is a 3D platformer that is played entirely in VR. And you may say that genre doesn't sound like it would be a good genre for VR, but I've got to say that I, I have not played another game that, melt, that made me feel more in a place, as a part of that place, than this game. And the coolest thing, one of the coolest things that really blew my mind about the demo was sitting on the couch and then having the character run up and like run around my feet hmm. and like looking down over my knees and watching this character run around like by my feet. And this whole game is like this. You're basically the camera. Um, and most importantly, I probably should have said right at the beginning, I do not get sick playing this game. <laughs> so if you have, if you get motion sickness from VR, I have had zero problems with it. And the reason why is because you're not moving. You're basically a stationary camera observing what's going on and not only is it a vr game but astrobot rescue mission makes use of all the functionality of the ps4 suite of hardware hmm. uh, the gyro and motion controls are used extensively in this game the dualshock controller becomes like a part of the game so if you remember in the demo after you capture all the little bots they would fly into the controller. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool. And it had like a great force feedback where you'd feel each one of them going into the controller. Well, they've completely expanded on that for the full game. Like the DualShock is kind of a character in the game itself. Um, but it makes use of the gyro controls inside the DualShock 4. Uh, there's even like a Ninja Star throwing mechanic in the game that was very reminiscent of like some of the early Wii U demos, oddly enough. Hmm. Um, you use your head, so it tracks. You, there's lights on the HMD, the PlayStation VR HMD, and it tracks how you move your head. Obviously, it needs to just for the camera, but there are parts in the game where objects come up, and you actually have to headbutt the objects to, like, bust walls down. Yeah, um, I assume that's what the little, like, Yep, that's what those smash signs are for. You have to use your head to headbutt through them. But then there's other parts of the game where you, like, are underwater, and you get, like, um, like seaweed, like caught on the helmet, and you can shake your head and the seaweed will fly off of the helmet. This game is loaded with cool stuff like that. But... Uh, I see, like, there's something there. Yeah. But most importantly, it's a great 3D platformer. Hmm. And I, am, I would like to say, or consider myself an aficionado of the genre. I've played pretty much all of them. It's one of my favorite genres. And this game is great. Like, I would play this game without VR, though I don't think it would work very well without VR. But I would well, play this like game. being the perspective and kind of knocking things around with your face is sort of part of the deal. It is part of the deal. Um, because one thing I would say, if I do have one complaint, it's that a lot of the times, the, the way the levels are designed, they're pretty small and claustrophobic, which is important if you're staying still as the camera. But there are still moments where the character is so far away from you, he's literally like five pixels on the screen, and you're trying to platform and attack enemies and things like that while he's that far away. That's one of the only issues I've, I've found with this game. The creativity in this game is amazing. Watch this sequence right here. So right now you're inside a creature. You've been swallowed, Maybe which take is- take the lower third down. Which is a 3D platformer 
staple or stereotype, depending on mm -hmm. what you want to say. But so right now you're inside this creature, and it seems okay at first. You're like, okay, I'm taking away, taking out some of these enemies. But here in a minute, something starts happening, and it's something I've never seen in a 3D platformer in my entire life. The area starts to flood. And again, not a big deal for a 3D platformer. Water is not a big deal, but the, the water starts coming in waves. And you have to use the waves to get over obstacles that are on the floor. So you wait for a wave, and here we go. So you wait for a wave to come in, you swim your butt off so you can get over, see how there's spikes on the ground. Mm -hmm. And you do this like three or four times to get over all the this game is just loaded with stuff like this like uh, it literally is like to me is like a nintendo game and there's more than a couple nods to super mario sunshine in this as well i mean obviously he's got a flood pack the the most common attack you're going to use are the water jets coming down and i love that mechanic it's so satisfying to use those jets to explode enemies that you hover over top of. It's kind of like this game's version of the butt stomp, I guess mm -hmm. is the best way I could put it. Um, the controls feel great. Uh, the boss fights in this game are amazing. Not because they're different from boss fights you've played before or they look different or act different. It's the scale. Like, you, play, you fight a gigantic boss in a lot of games. You're like, oh, he's big. My character's small. He's big. When you're in VR, you really understand the size and the power of the bosses. You, I'm afraid of them. Like, there's one boss fight where you fight, like, an octopus, and he's slamming down, like, his tentacles onto the platform, and you're, like, squirming away trying to... And it, it, you're scared. You're like, oh, my gosh, this, like, five-ton hmm. tentacle is trying to smash me. Like, the perspective makes a world of difference in this game. Um, so do you think... Um as, as was said by some of the uh, reviewers, do you think this is the Mario 64 moment? Yeah, that's a big claim. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I go that far. <laughs> uh, I, the, here, I did. I mean, I definitely reacted strongly to the, the Astrobot part of the of demo. Play, player in VR. That was a thing where I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like, yeah. this is not a thing I expected to think was really cool. It's like the third thing I picked in Playroom VR because, like, yeah, I played a 2D platformer before. Yeah. Who cares if it's in VR? Yeah. But it was one of the things that really stood out. And uh, it was cool that the, I was thought it was cool that they're going to make you know a full game out of it. I have not pulled the v PSVR out of the closet to play it. Oh, uh, dude, there was so much dust on my PlayStation VR. I sneezed. I had like an <laughs> I had like an allergy attack, dude, when I pulled out my PlayStation VR. Well, I mean, I put mine in the in back in its box to move. Oh, a year, literally a year ago. It hasn't. I I have not I have not unpacked any of my VR stuff since I moved to the since I moved. Uh, it was right right before Thanksgiving. Right in late November. Mine was sitting in the entertainment center. So this moment here, when you fight the first boss and his head comes up, but it, you watch it on a 2D flat panel TV, it's like whatever. When you're playing this in VR, it's scary. He's like gigantic. Like his tooth is like the size of you. Um, the game itself is structured like Super Mario 64, except instead of collecting stars, you're rescuing the bots. So you have to rescue X number of bots on a stage before you can move on to the next. Uh, there are other collectibles that you can go back and get if you want 100% the game, but I think the biggest ding on it is that I finished the game in five hours. Mm. And I did not collect everything. I did some collection just to see what it was like, but I did not collect anything, and I just kind of mainlined through it, and it only took me five hours. Now the game is only 40 bucks, so it is on a discount, and I would argue that that's about the right price for the game. Um, you can go back and try to perfect your play and collect everything if you want to. I'm sure 
trophy hunters out there will go back and make sure that they got everything to get all the trophies. Um, but to me, and I did buy this game, this was not sent to me for free. I spent my own money on this game and it was worth every penny, every penny. Um, I remember back with Playroom VR, what really just blew my mind, like I was saying earlier, was just having this character independent of you moving around you while you sat still. And I remember looking down at my feet and there was all these flowers coming up and just watching the guy run around. And I just sat there and did that for like 10 minutes. Here's six hours of mind-blowing stuff like that. It is, I mean, easily so far VR game of the year for me. What do you think about, um, I mean, on the Mario thing, but like... Uh, there you're seeing like the, yeah, the seaweed yeah the yeah. seaweed you can shake it off i think like jeff canada said that if this was a mario game like people would be saying game of the year was decided like do you think if this was no was, i wouldn't this, go that far if this was a, I, mean, I, he, I think he said it in a skeptical manner it was, yeah. it was like a cynical manner rather in the sense that like if, if this had been done with something that people recognize more it would be making more waves than it is well i'll put it to you this way the game is good enough that that statement is not absurd mm. It's, it's, it. it's within the realm of reason. Like, I can understand why somebody would say that. Because we, you know, we keep hearing, like, this is the VR game that does it. This is the VR game that does it. And then I would play them, and I'm like, no, this is not going to do the it. The VR game that does it is going to be the one that comes with a $100 headset. Yeah. That doesn't need a computer to plug in. No, you're right. You're um, absolutely right. It's a cost thing more than anything else at this point, um, I think. Uh, I think the, the, the Oculus Quest is a good step in that direction, but, like... This is a good reason to dust off my PSVR, maybe? But no, like, it absolutely is, Matt. But I don't know if this is a reason to buy one. No. 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 Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what ultimately you were asking me with kind Jeff Kanata, yeah. no. It, it's not worth spending well, $300. If, there, if people are going to sit there and say this is a Mario 64 moment, that's why I bought an N64. Right. And I mean, that's I why I would say it's not to that level. But I would also argue that PlayStation VR's library at this point is getting to a place where... It's pretty good. It has pretty much every genre at this point playable in VR. Yeah, and now, like, the shooters are starting to get good. This is the only one that doesn't make you nauseous. Though. It is, yeah. <laughs> this is it. Like, this is the only game that has not made me sick playing it. And some games I can last longer than others, but this game I never, ever felt sick. I mean, the only thing I would say is that, you know, I'm used to playing games in long stretches, and I enjoyed this game so much that I wanted to just keep playing it. And man, did I sweat a lot playing this game. My head just sweat for like three or four hours straight. Uh, so yeah, that's one thing you don't realize if you haven't spent that much time playing VR, which I haven't. Like, it's always been like this thing where I play it for an hour and put it away. This game I sat and played for hours at a time, and it was different having that helmet on for that long. Mm. Um, but ultimately well worth it. I, if you have PlayStation VR, Go and buy this game right now. Don't even think twice about it. You you bought your PlayStation VR for this game. You just didn't know it yet. Now you do. I cannot recommend it any higher. It is the best VR game I've ever played. It controls well. It's designed well. The level design is ridiculous. The integration of all the other hardware features from PlayStation 4. A lot of that gear that you've had... That you're like, man, I never use this crap. You're going to use it in this game, and it's going to be used in very creative and unique ways. Um, I, I don't know what else I can say to recommend it more. It's worth the 40 bucks. Is it? Maybe someone's going to ask me, well, it's Q4. Is it worth sacrificing one of the other big games to buy it? I say absolutely yes, because it is a completely different experience. 
if you're sitting there right now saying, well, should I buy, I know I'm going to buy Assassin's Creed, or I know I'm going to buy Red Dead, should I also buy Tomb Raider, or should I buy this? Buy this. Hmm. That's where I would place it. Um, just really good, and just kind of out of nowhere, out of left field. I mean, obviously the demo showed a lot of promise, um, but I wondered, I'm like, would I like to keep doing this for hours and hours? Yeah. And the answer was a resounding yes. Um, really, really good stuff. This team should probably just make a regular 3D platformer. Yeah, it seems like it. Because um, it's a limited market on for sure. PlayStation VR. But I do think there's like some commentary I've seen where people are like, oh, there's no reason for this to be VR or whatever like that. I, I, I think oh, no, they're, they're absolutely, absolutely it. Definitely yeah. like not understanding. Because like, I would have said the same thing when I just watched the AstroBot like demo in in PlayStation Playroom VR. Yeah. But like once I'm like no, it, the the experience is a thing that you you don't understand until you've done it. And I assume that this is like that but times 10 or whatever, you know, like yep. cuz they they've had a lot more cuz the the Astrobot demo in Playroom is just sort of like you're sort of playing a 3D platformer but it's you have this different perspective and you have this different way of looking at it and it's just like oh this really works and like this clearly they've they've added mechanics that require the VR aspect to function in the way they're meant to be, uh, that I think you'd lose something by Oh, you absolutely would lose something. The, the Astrobot demo in Playroom VR is one of, like, three things that I show people when they come over mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, you have VR, can I try it? I show them Astrobot. I show them the Resident Evil 7 demo where you're just sitting in the chair. The kitchen thing. Yeah. Yep, the kitchen thing. And then I just put them in the... PlayStation VR World's like shark cage. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I do. I put them in the shark cage first so they can get their bearings in VR. And, you know, they lean over and look down and like, ooh, and they like reach out and try to touch the jellyfish or whatever. And then I put them into Astrobot and then I finish it off with the kitchen. Yeah, I've had, I've had people play, play this on the Playroom VR, or the Astrobot demo. Uh, if I have the Vive out, I will do um, the lab because that yeah. is the most. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Accessible, and then I will usually, uh, if it's the right kind of nerd, I will put them in the Battlefront VR yeah. X-Wing thing because that's, in, that's still one of my favorite things yeah, yeah. just because it's like, oh. Very brief, but. It's brief, but awesome. It is, yeah. Um, and I wish they'd make something more full-fledged like that. I was looking forward to Ace Combat 7 uh, for something yeah. similar to that. but then it turns I'll out never it, be able to play that. that, that well, then it turns out it's only three missions. Oh, really? The VR mode in Ace Combat. Are Com you kidding no, me? No, the Ace Combat 7 <laughs> VR mode. It's, the, it's the tutorial of how to take off, and then there's an air air support mission where you have to take off and, and shoot stuff down to help like a ground support thing. And then there's a third mission they haven't talked about yet. That's it. That's wow. the whole VR mode. It's three missions, and one of them is the tutorial. That was marketed as like the killer app. Yeah, it was. Like, I mean, I, they never said it was going to be like the whole game or anything, <laughs> right, but like right. they were saying. I think the implication. I thought it was going to be playable no. in VR. Well, the they whole were way. talked that one of the reasons it was delayed for so long because they were converting more of the game to VR, but apparently not. not and I mean, yeah. there was there was a interview from like TGS or something like a year ago where they they imply like five to seven missions. Um, so I don't know what happened to that. I was, I'm really looking forward to that game one way or the other because I like yeah. Ace Combat, but I was right. hoping that was going to be a big, cool VR thing. It's three missions. Yeah. I've got, got a hand at the off. Sony. Yeah. Damn it. I've got a so hand annoying. at the Sony, though, because it is stuck with PlayStation VR. Yeah, I figured they it would. Could, it could have bailed. Well, I, I did not know it would because Sony has bailed on peripherals 
time and time. They have, but I think they threw a lot they put of them money. Out. They threw a lot of money at they this. Did. The R&D for this they, was probably insane. Yeah. But I'm glad. I mean, because now we're finally starting to see the sweet spot with this platform. Also, the game is gorgeous, by the way. For whatever reason, the footage that I captured from the game looks blurry and a little washed out. Playing it in PlayStation VR, it looks amazing. It's, yeah, well, it's a, also one of the best-looking PlayStation VR games I've played. It's very clean. Yeah. There's a definite resolution trick difference when you take something out of the VR headset scenario. Yeah. yeah. So I love it. I can't recommend it enough. If you own PlayStation VR, go buy this game. Um, I know it's been a rocky road with PlayStation VR. And I'll, again, I apologize. I did tell a lot of you people to buy it. Maybe you're pissed off at me <laughs> or disappointed that I recommended it and you aren't happy with it. But I think if you buy this and you play it, you'll be like, I see, you'll be able to at least say, I see where Shane was coming from. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say that this rationalized my purchase or I feel okay that I spent all that money on it at this point. I'm, I, at this point, I, I just kind of written it off as a loss. But this was a nice little reminder that, hey, I, there is still some life left in this thing. And it, maybe it, it has a chance yet to redeem itself a little bit. Mm -hmm. So 40 bucks available now. Um, Astrobot Rescue Mission, only for PlayStation VR. You'll never be able to get it on Vive or Rift or any of those. That is a PlayStation exclusive. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about game streaming because that really was kind of the big topic. Also, bold move to make the, the pun in the lower third there about a fly that, like, eats you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, well, you missed the lower third earlier. That was your recommendation yeah, for yeah. Assassin's Creed. Was it play Mystios for me? Yeah. It was, yep. All right, so we're going to talk about <laughs> game streaming because for whatever reason, this week was the week where the dam just broke for game streaming mm -hmm. from two different directions. Um, so the what are we going to talk about first, actually? Make sure I got them lined up for Sam. Well, right. they, what, didn't today, like, Sony even finally confirm, like, yeah, we're working on another system. Yeah. It's like, thanks. Yeah, I think thanks we all for, knew that. Thanks for that yeah. update, <laughs> I think we, I think, well, there was significance to it because the way Sony stated it was there's still a need for hardware. Right. Because I think maybe if Sony's like... If they're to admit that stuff now, it means like E3, we're going to see some new stuff. Probably. Maybe, probably not released that year, really, but like I think they're going to finally start talking about the next generation. But I think what you brought up is, is a cogent point in that... This was a reaction to what yes. we're about to talk about. Yes. Because you have Microsoft and Google talking about these crazy brand new streaming platforms. And you have Sony over here saying, hey, hey, hey. We like hardware. Consoles think, yeah. still matter over here. And yeah. I think for a large segment of consumers, I think they want to hear that. Oh, I agree with them. Yeah. And sure. I, I'm, I want to hear that too. I'm one of the people who wants to hear it. But... Some of the stuff we've heard this week is pretty intriguing. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Project X Cloud. And that is Microsoft's initiative, which I believe, and Pactor believes, is the Scarlet Initiative that we've been yeah. hearing a lot about. Yeah. And so, essentially, what, what you're seeing right now is the assembly of one of the blades that will be used for xCloud. And according to Microsoft, each one of those blades is equivalent. It will be able to serve, like, 10 to 20 people playing games, hmm. which... Doesn't seem like that much. I mean, you're going to need a lot of freaking blades, dude, to make that work. And I guess there they are. They do have a ton yeah, of they them. they have a lot of them. They've got a lot of them. But the whole idea with xCloud is that you'll be able to stream games to your mobile phone and presumably pretty much any device within the next five or six years. They're starting everything off with mobile. 
for obvious reasons, because the install base obviously is gigantic. Factor's dream of the TV console. It's all happening. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Like, the stuff that he's been talking about for the last literally three years on Pactor Factor, all of it is happening. Mm -hmm. People always hate on him. Oh, none of his stuff ever comes true. No, it actually, almost yeah, all of it comes true. He's pretty pretty on target when it comes to the, the long-range tech stuff, because he knows everyone who's working on it. He does. Stuff. He talks to people. And he can't tell you on the show right. who he's been but talking to. But he has to. hinted, like, he's talked about how, oh, it'll be a TV, and you can just take your, like, it's like the Amazon Fire Stick, and you stick it. I mean, that's what this would be. You'd have to get a little Xbox stick, and you'd stick it in, be and that would be your that would be your system. Before we record Pactor Factor, Pac and I, while we're setting up the shoot and everything, we just talk. And he tells me Which who, is better than abject silence. Right. <laughs> and, it, it, and he tells me who he's been talking to. And he'll say, they told me this, and they told me that. And then we'll shoot the show. And then parts of the stuff that we talked about will make it into the show. But I'm, I'm the only person who knows. And sometimes, he, sometimes he will say who we talked to, but a lot of times he doesn't. He'll be like, I feel that this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And before we will have recorded the show, he will have told me, I talked to somebody who told me this was going to happen. <laughs> but he can't say it right. on the show. So he'll just say, I have a feeling this is going to happen. Watch Pactor Factor very closely, people. You are getting nuggets in there that you may not even realize. They may be going right over your head, but he's giving you mm -hmm. intel that you're not going to get anywhere else. So and He's been talking about this kind of stuff for like three years. No, from like the first yeah. episode of Pactor In the first episode, people thought he was crazy. Like, oh, he's insane. It's just Pactor being Pactor, just making stuff up. And then like the next year, it was like, oh, I don't think he's wrong on this part of it. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll guarantee you, the next time he talks about it, they'll be like, oh, he was right. Like, just, I, he's I not admit, making I, stuff up, people. I did not think that Microsoft is going to go in this hard on this idea. It is going this in soon. hard. I mean, the, the, the tech apparently is pretty good, the few people who have actually had a chance to sample yeah. it. I mean, if it's doing the thing that they talk about where, like, basically they are run, it is running the program more or less natively on your hardware, but it's just sort of streaming the necessary the bits, assets in and out yeah. as it goes. Like, that's a more acceptable situation to me. Um, I still don't think I am quite convinced, but, like, it sure is interesting. I'm still very skeptical. Because, to me, it's going to have... You're going to have to at least be on Wi-Fi. Right. Because we're going to talk in a minute about another new streaming technology from Google that where Wi-Fi isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And so it, I have a... And when you're Google and you run Google Fiber, right. it makes a lot of sense it, to it does. do it that way. It absolutely does. So Microsoft, I, I think that your phone is going to have to be on Wi-Fi for it to work at the very least. For sure. Even for sure. 5G, I think, which is kind of rolling out now, I still don't think it's going to be quite there. 5G would be pushing in, and also you're going to blow your data cap pretty fast. Yep. If you're streaming all those assets in there, man. You're going to blow your data cap real fast. That's the other concern with this is bandwidth. It's like, how much are these programs sending? Because now that net neutrality has been repealed, more data caps are coming into play. People are starting to get gouged for their internet service. How is this going to affect that? How are these new streaming services? How much are they sending? Is it really just little bits or is it big pieces of code that they're sending across that you're going to have to pay for ultimately via your plan? So, um, how, how interested are you personally in xCloud, Matt? Is it something you think you might find yourself doing? No. No? It has no use to me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to buy the new system, and I'm going to hook it to my television, and... 
I don't like, think what? it's for people like us. Though. No, I don't think it's so. for people who probably would never buy a console. But it's, I mean, I say the same thing about the Switch all the time. I don't care about playing it on a smaller screen in an inferior situation. And I was like, I, I'm just going to wait till I get to my very expensive home theater setup <laughs> where I can play things at the maximum fidelity. With a ma- I mean, that's what yeah. I want to do. Like, yeah. that's this stuff is cool. It's a cool tech trick, but I, I, I don't have any use for it. I mean, yeah. I don't want to play stuff on a on a tablet upstairs or whatever. You know, it's like it's not like a. Not a, it's not a, it's a, it, to me, it's still a solution in search of a problem. Another angle on this for Microsoft is it could use this as a pawn or a chip with publishers. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, this is proprietary tech, although Google also it looks like it's kind of getting into the same game. Mm-hmm. But this is proprietary tech. You could go to publishers and say, hey... For X percent, for X amount of dollars, we'll put your game on this service, and you are suddenly reaching another, how many million people is it? Hundreds of millions of people. Well, depending on what you have to do to have access to it. Right. But think about it. The install base for Xbox One right now, I'm guessing 30, 40 million, something like that. Mm -hmm. If you can give a publisher the opportunity to put its game without doing anything else, just running the same code it already built for PC or console, if you can crack open an audience of hundreds of millions of people. Well, I figure this is where they're trying, where, where Game Pass is trying to lead. Probably. Right? Like they want you, they don't even care if you have an Xbox at that point. They want you to subscribe to Game Pass and now yep. you can play Xbox games on your phone. They're just like every other successful company right now. They're transitioning from a hardware company to a services company. Mm-hmm. It's happening everywhere. Hardware is going to be controlled and successful for a select few companies 10 years from now. It's not going to be something that every company is going to mm-hmm. even want to jump into. I just don't, I don't, what am I going to do that with? Like if I can't, if that is something you need Wi-Fi for, what am, where am I doing that? Yeah. Like in an airport, I guess? Again, something? I think it's, you're going to have to use Wi-Fi and I think people are going to have to do it from home. And I think... But why don't I just go in the other room and play it on the console? But see, you're, you're missing what I was saying earlier, which is this is not for us. This is We're not the audience for this. But then this It's has... the people who have cell phones who would never buy a console. But all of a sudden, they're but like, they... wait a minute. I can play the new Halo without buying a $500 console? But they will buy a controller with a weird mount thing on it? You don't like... have to. You can also play with yeah, touch controls. Even the most casual of casual is going to find that like There's like 30 million people playing Fortnite on mobile right now. Yeah, well. Imagine if you cracked open an entire library of software to those people, not just one or two games. It could, it could be huge for Microsoft. Will we care? Probably not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's not for us. But all the money that Microsoft generates off this, what's it going to do with it? But are they... It's uh, going to buy new studios. It's right. going to invest in software but, for all of us. But what, where's the money coming from? Subscribing to Game Pass? Uh, is that well, what that is? From that, from licensing fees, hmm. from the publishers giving you money to put their game on, their, on your platform so it gets, goes out to 200 million people or whatever. That's, that's where they're going to generate their cash. Hmm. And you could generate a lot. I mean, imagine if for every game sale, Microsoft gets $2 or whatever. And you're, you're literally, the market is hundreds of millions of people instead of 30. So this is a smart thing for Microsoft. It's not for us, but it's ultimately going to work out for us. Because more money in the Xbox division is more exclusive software for us to play. Is the stream dead? 
So let's talk next about Google. And mm. Google has its own project going on. And this is a little different because the press has actually been messing around with this. It's called Google Project Stream. Real catchy name. Um, but it's kind of capturing the attention right now because people have actually used it and reported on it. So Google Project Stream is a game streaming service that streams right into Google Chrome, right into the browser. So you don't need, well, I guess you'd need a PC, you, but you don't need any extra hardware other than your PC. And obviously you need the Chrome browser. The reports of this is a select People in the press have had a chance to try it out, and the reports have been absolutely glowing. Literally, like, I think I read, was it Polygon or PC Gamer? One of the two were like, I'd rather use this than to have a big PC rig and all this gear that I have to pay for, and I'd rather just play it. They're like, yep, you can see that it's, there's a couple times where if there's a lot of action on screen, you get some fragmentation here and there, and they said the audio is maybe a little over-compressed right now, but otherwise, they, they said, it's, I mean, right, we're watching right now footage of Odyssey on Google streaming service. This mm. is direct feed capture from Google of, pl of playing it on, in, in Google Chrome. Think about that. From a business perspective, which do you think has the opportunity to be more successful? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like this is all just stupid tech tricks to me. Like, like who? Like, what are you paying for here? Like, what are you controlling it with in the browser? Uh, what kind of connection do I need? Google Fiber to make it look like this or run like no, this? Like, what is? No. It? So they did say that on Wi-Fi. That's where they experienced most of the fragmentation mm -hmm. and the pixelization and the audio compression was the worst on Wi-Fi, but it still played. They said it'll just scale it down so that instead of running it on high, you're running it on medium or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they said it did work. But hardwired, they said you could not really tell the difference between this and playing it on a piece of hardware, a console, hmm. which is pretty freaking impressive. Yeah. And a lot of the journalists who have been covering this so far are the same people who have been using PlayStation Now and these other, and you know, back in the day, the, the, the early pioneers of game streaming, they've all, they've tried them all. And every single person who has tried this has been blown away by it. So it appears that Google has found some sort of a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. They said most importantly, there's no late, the, there was no latency on gameplay. Um, they were talking about playing this and how obviously you have like the parry or the dodge and you have that very strict window you need to hit that button. They said that they never, ever felt like that they missed it because of any kind of latency or anything like that. I mean, the reports have just been absolutely glowing from people who would know better. Yeah, but also some of the same people who said the same thing about Gaikai. Um, I don't know if anybody ever praised those early ones. Oh, they did. Really? Oh, they did. Like because when they, when Gaikai first did its like first like big you know thing, I remember Adam went to it and everybody came back from that being like, oh my god, it's going to revolutionize everything. Really? And then nothing happened for like six. Years. I never heard that. And OnLive just got murdered by the press. Yeah, OnLive was not. Uh, OnLive was not as as. I mean, there's a reason Sony bought Gaikai. Yeah. Not online. <laughs> um, yeah, but like I mean, the idea was a little ahead of its time, I guess, back then. But um, 
I don't know. Like, it's cool. Like, I don't know what their subscription idea is there. Like, what you want me to pay to do that. They haven't even really outlined, like, the business part of it mm-hmm. yet. And Google today had, like, its big, like, thing where they show off all their new phones and all their tablets and all that. And they did not even talk about it, which is a little weird. I don't know. I'm just, I'm generally more inclined to want things to be running natively locally. Like, I, and that's maybe just me being old, but, like... I would rather be able to play something still when if the internet goes out or if yeah. or I'd like rather be yeah. able to tweak my own hardware to do deal with something that's not working properly. I But see the idea is that I'm everything trying is to play just optimized Cre- perfectly on their end. Yeah, well so that means someone's got to keep that optimized and someone's got to do it and if it's not working right on their end then you're the one who suffers from it and maybe sure. you got to call in some helpline and be like, "Hey, can you can you turn that up, please?" Can you yeah, go so, kick like, that blade yeah, that my like, also's being served on. Like, I understand the motivation to want to turn a lot of this into that sort of service thing, and especially in terms of cutting out the cost of retail production. Um, I'm certainly not averse to that because I do buy probably 80% of my stuff digitally now. Yeah. Um, but I still prefer to be on a, a local system. Like it's. I oh, mean, too. It's, and again, uh, I don't think this is for us. I mean, right. they, the, like, Google gave it to the gaming press because it knew that people would trust... First of all, Google knew his product was good. And second of all, it knew that people would trust the opinions of console mm-hmm. hardcore games journalists. I guess I'm just not super convinced that the market is really there. Like, it's just like, yes, there's millions of people who don't buy consoles and don't would never consider doing that. But are those people also, like, really maybe interested in Are they envious that they don't have one? Yeah, like, are, are yeah. there tons of these people that would play these console games if they were, like, $15 subscription and streaming over a hard, hard line? Like. Yeah. Is that a thing? Is that a? Is that a, I mean, I, I would assume that they do the research on that, but like you say, the business model is not really presented yet. It's more like this tech thing where it's like, can we do it? Yeah. And it looks like we can. Yeah. Um, Here's another angle maybe to consider is even the PC gamer who doesn't want to spend $1,000 on the new car. Yeah. I mean... You know, I have a GTX 1080. In a couple of years, that thing is going to seem dated compared to the cards that are out. It's probably going to be dated to the new cards that NVIDIA just announced. Um, and if you could give me the quality of the new RTX cards, I think they're called, right? Mm-hmm. Streaming, I'm there. If, you, if I could... Like it. Unless it's annoying. I mean, like, yeah. I remember the early days of Netflix when shit just looked like it was running on a toaster sometimes. Yeah. And, like... Yeah. Like the cons- consistency is important to me, it and is, like yeah. presentation. I mean, that's why I have my own hardware and my own setup, and I don't want to play things on a you phone. You push the button, and all this it stuff. comes yeah. on, and it plays video games. Like <laughs> it's it's simple. I mean, uh, it's it's cool. I, I I still say solution in search of a problem. Um, if they can find a way to make it a desirable thing to do, I think saving money on like RTX cards or the equivalent is a, is a good example. Um, but to do that, you have to have this thing running at, I mean, for me to replace that card cost, right. I mean, I appreciate not having to spend the cost, but that thing better run at 60 frames a second at 4k or native with no weird hiccups. And it has to have no lag on the gameplay. It, I mean, that thing has to deliver an experience on the level of buying that card. If you want me to subscribe to whatever whatever x amount per month which well, I, don't be think, honest, I don't think that'll ever happen i don't think that's even technically possible well then then look if i'm if you're going to add up the subscription costs 
uh, for this, or whatever you have to pay the extra money for, like each game or whatever. I don't think like, that'll be the case, though. I think you'll just buy the game. Like I think you'll just buy Assassin's Creed Odyssey for that service mm -hmm. and play it. You'll spend the same amount, sixty bucks maybe or oh, whatever. Oh, forget it. Never. If I don't own something for paying sixty bucks for it, forget it. I would never do that ever, because that service is going to go away one day. Yeah. At least with like Steam or something. If I get some kind of notification, I can download the data or like on on PSN. We're gonna sh we're gonna shut down uh, the the you know the Xbox One servers in 2034 or whatever. Well, okay, I got a big you know 10 terabyte hard drive. I'm gonna install everything I own on that system, yeah. or assuming it doesn't carry forward as a library to the future systems or whatever. And I got it. Like I have to play it offline. I can't play the multiplayer or whatever. But I got it. It's there. If I'm paying, if I pay sixty bucks for a game that only streams on me and I never get to actually own it in any sense, no way, no way in hell. Like that's the whole problem people had with the Xbox before. Yeah. Was like but you if didn't you think have about it. someone who has like a GTX nine seventy or even like a ten seventy or whatever, and they're looking at that thousand dollar graphics card, and they're like, mm. even if I could get GTX ten eighty graphics. Sure, Without but, having to spend the money to buy the six hundred dollars to buy that. Sure, but I don't believe for one second you're not going to have to pay Google something to do this. In addition to buying whatever the well, game Google would are. get the cut from Ubisoft. Yeah, I, you're still going to have to pay for the actual service Google is providing. Maybe there's, there's no there's no way the streaming is free. There's no way this is like Voodoo or something for games. Uh, Google has to get get their money out of it because that's a ridiculously expensive thing that you can't subsidize just game by on a game by game basis from publisher fees. Like, and in the end, once, you know, add up the number of years you have a graphics card, now add up the amount of money you spend on a subscription every year for this, and how much is that? Is but that's that the difference? model for xCloud from Microsoft. Yeah, well, I, don't, I just don't buy it. I mean, we'll see what the, what the business model turns out to be, but the, I, I would be extremely surprised if you aren't paying Google something to do this. Yeah. As a consumer. Like, otherwise, what are they, what are they doing? What's the point? Yeah. Like, like, sure, the publishers would maybe pay... To have access to that kind of audience but the point of being a service provider the way google is trying to do this like would be to get money monthly from the millions theoretically people who want to do this because that's where you get your money to be google money i think that would be a mistake though i think that's the plan i mean i don't know what else it would be it like, might be but i think that would be a huge mistake because eventually it, the market is going to get so crowded that it's like, which service do you subscribe right. to? Right. Well, that, that's, I think what it comes down to there is which one works best. Yeah. Everyone's just, I think the money would just get spread too thin so that no one ends up being successful. And now you're about where I am on it. Yeah. I think that's pretty much what's going to happen. We'll see. The tech sounds pretty impressive. Um, I, at least I'm tech impressed with cool. it. Tech is cool. I just, yeah. again, and I, don't, I don't I just I don't, don't think it's for me. I think it's easy for us to be like, I don't care about it, so no one's going to care about it. But mm -hmm. that's not always the case. Well, I mean, at some point you're going to need... Like, I don't really care about Fortnite, but, <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people do. But, like, I can see the usage scenario for Fortnite much easier than this, especially because the Fortnite business model is already free. in place. Um, <laughs> free. Well, not totally free. They're making a lot of money on that. Well, game. yeah. It, it, could um, be. it can be free. I don't, but I don't see a lot of microtransaction opportunity on this you know, for, yeah. for Google or whatever. Um I just, I, we need to know more about it. We need to see it, you know, ha work in a bunch of different scenarios. Uh, you know, the fact that it works for video games, does that also work for 4K movies? Because that's a big short shortcoming of current streaming movies. Yep. Is like the 4K thing is very hard to do well 
Blu-ray. That's a good point, actually. Blu-ray disc. If this technology is that good, if you can handle that kind of a data pipeline, yeah. is, it, is it applicable to non-interactive content yeah. as well? I mean, that may be where their angle actually. Yeah. If they really think about generating revenue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you know, if if there's one thing that could, you know, ten years down the line, really dethrone Netflix in that regard, it would be them jumping ahead on that tech before Netflix can. But if you don't think Netflix is working on something similar, you're crazy. No, oh, of course. So. They um, but yeah. isn't it funny though that Netflix isn't the first to debut something like this? I mean, if anybody was going to, it should be Netflix. His whole business is built around. Well, it. not not really because Netflix isn't a thing for video games. Yeah, um, I mean, GameFly. But it's a streaming service. It's a streaming service, but this is a different. It's trying beast. to send big files through skinny pipes. Yeah, but this is just a very different beast in yeah. terms of that. And I, I I I understand why Netflix did not throw a lot of research behind that, but it could it could be a convergent tech, is what I'm saying. Um, I mean, the, the the company theoretically you would expect to throw money at this idea would be GameFly, but uh, GameFly, uh, people some people don't even realize it still exists. I still see commercials all the time. I watch uh, like NHL Network, and they have like the worst TV commercials because nobody wants to advertise mm-hmm. there. So they have like FarmersOnly.com and all this other <laughs> crap. But and like GameFly is advertised on there all the time. Wow. Which I mean, obviously, it shows that. You know, they're advertising on NHL Network instead of NBC or whatever that they're not doing so great. So, um, I don't know. This is just like, um, I guess you can't really say it's the first foray into it because it's really like the third. Yeah, this has been smoldering for almost 10 years, this whole idea. And what happens to PlayStation Now if its tech becomes... Because PlayStation Now, in all honesty, is pretty bad. Yeah. It's like I don't really want to play first games that way. Kind of like, I, I, and and so, what happens to PlayStation now if these services come online? Are people going to care? No, I mean, well, Sony better be working on some stuff to upgrade it. That's all I could say. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it if they intend like it's a if fundamental com- thing. Well, no, you got to still you got to keep up with the curve. Like they're gonna, if they intend to continue this service, it's going to have to do what these new technologies show you can do, or they're going to have to double down on hardware, which, you know, today's statement uh, would lean slightly in the direction of doubling down on hardware versus this kind of service. Um, I don't know. This is too most all this we won't know until probably we start to see what moves these companies make starting probably next E three. Um, I think that's where you'll get your first hints. Yeah. I mean, we're already getting hints. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're that. This is what we're getting right now is the hint. Um, I think by E3, Microsoft should be able to blow this, be ready to blow this sucker out big time. Yeah. You also start thinking if you're a publisher about your back catalog and getting all that stuff on the, on there, and like it just opens up a whole new market of people and a gigantic market of people as well. So I mean the way they could maybe do it which would be a little uh, sleazy to me, but like you could put like the new exclusives on the Xbox streaming service maybe uh, maybe not earlier but cheaper. Yeah. Cuz at true. some at some point someone has to start undercutting retail brick and mortar say, uh, prices. Because for a long time, that's been the thing. It's like, why isn't digital cheaper than, than brick and mortar, than physical copies? Because the publishers Because the publishers don't want to piss off Walmart, right. basically. Or At some point, yeah. someone's got to make that leap. Yeah. Someone's got to finally make that leap into like, okay, digital's where it's going. Someone has to be the first... Someone's got to be the first penguin off that ice flow. <laughs> it says, okay, if you, want, if you want the digital-owned copy or the physical copy, it's 60 bucks. If you want our streaming version, it's 30 Yeah. Yep. 
and some people are going to go for that. I would not. Oh, I think a lot of people would go for that. For half price, you know, accepting the lack of ownership over the material in exchange for half price on launch day, that's not a bad deal. I think a lot of people would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if the quality is up to what people are saying. Yeah. Where it's like 1080p, crystal clear. Well, and also if there's one thing we know. No latency. Um something like two years into the 360's existence, something like 55% of them were hooked up with component cables. Yeah. Or, or, right. or, or with, like, composite cables. Composite cables, yeah. Um, people don't notice. Yeah. They don't realize. So like, <laughs> they really don't. So, like, the idea of, like, like the idea that, like, the mainstream audience would be held back by the, by, the, by the graphical fidelity of something that was, like, you know, high settings versus ultra, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's like It'll I said a couple weeks ago on the show, the, the importance of graphical fidelity... It just, to me, it's on this steady mm-hmm. curve downwards. Well, it's also, even for me, it's a steady curve downwards. The longer, the more time passes since I bought my last graphics card, the less I care. Yeah. When I first buy those graphics cards, or I'm like, I must milk the, every last frame out of the, this yeah. has to be this, and this, I'm this shader doesn't work in right. <laughs> I'm going to fix that. I'm going to wait for a patch until this shader works, or I'm not going to yeah. disable that. Da, 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 da. And like now I'm just like, mm, you just play games. I'm just going yeah. to play it on, on, the, on the PlayStation. I don't care. It's like, yeah. It's yeah, funny how that works. There's a, it's, it's a, there's a, there's a curve from how, how long it's been since you spent money on the thing that makes the graphics. No, you're right. You're absolutely so, right. Yep. So we'll see. It's, I mean, it, it is the next frontier, whether we like yeah. it or not. I mean, 20 years from now, we are not going to have consoles. That's just the truth. It's just not going to happen. Um, how quickly, if it's really 20 years or it's 10 years from now, I think that's kind of the X factor that we don't know yet. But I think when we finally all get a chance to check out these technologies, I think we'll have a better idea of when that's going to happen. I wonder what, say, what, wonder what that will be. I feel like you'll just, you know, maybe there won't be any systems anymore. You'll just... Subscribe. There won't be. You subscribe to a service and you buy the thing, or maybe you buy buy a little little like USB chip and you stick it in. I mean, just stick it, stick it in your brain. <laughs> By then, we might be implanting don't, things in our spine. Don't, don't forget the PlayStation Nine commercial. All oh, right, where the guy yeah, just inhales right. the new game. <laughs> I forgot about that. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about. Well, we've already talked about Switch a little bit in this episode. We're going to talk about it more though, because the Wall Street Journal. Broke this week. The Japanese one, right? Was it? That's what I read. It was the Japanese Wall Street Journal or something. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. But I don't know what I don't know what that was. Yeah, I didn't know there was a Japanese Wall Street Journal. I I wasn't clear if it was like there was a Japanese edition of it that reported, or if there's a Japanese paper that is the equivalent of the Wall Street Journal. I'm sure someone in chat will be able to help us out with that. But you might need to restart your chat. I think it crashed a while. No, whether it was um, Wall Street Journal East or West, the Wall Street Journal reported. That, uh, oh, thank you, uh, WC Esquire, for subscribing via Twitch Prime. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was like an hour ago. Oh, was it? you should probably quit that and restart. Okay. Um, Anyway, the Wall Street Journal said that it has good sources that Nintendo is going to release a new version of Switch next year. Mm. And uh, I don't think that comes as a big surprise to either of us. No, it's it's about the right time. Yeah, for Nintendo, and it's very typical. It, it's, yeah. it, particularly if you consider the Switch a handheld. I mean, it may have another two iterations before it's all said and done. To be perfectly honest, um, so it's not that big of a surprise that Nintendo is going to do it again. If you consider Switch a handheld and not a console, because Nintendo doesn't really update its consoles. Mm. Um, handhelds, it's gung ho over it. Uh, so that's not a big surprise. But what I wanted to do is kind of do a check on Switch and create a wish list 
for things that we want changed in the next version of Switch, and then discuss whether it's how, just how likely or feasible it is that Nintendo would do that. Mm-hmm. So Matt, what are the features or the changes that you would like to see for Switch V2? Uh, more power, like, but that's not going to happen. How likely do you think that is? Zero. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh... I think this is going to be like a DS Lite thing. Like, I think it's just go- it's going to be at most form factor. My guess is form factor uh, is going to change, p- be pretty much the same because if you change the form factor too much, you invalidate all your accessories. Like the the Joy Cons kind of lock you into the size that the system is, one way or the other. And um, so, like, the idea of, like, a much smaller one or a much, like, bigger one just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because um, then you, you, you kind of lose I'm, that like, pondering factor. it right now. Like, right. Uh... Like, like, I mean, I guess you could stick Joy-Cons on the size of something like the size of, like, an iPad Air 2 or whatever. But that would be pretty weird. It would look weird, yeah. Um, and... But Nintendo has never been <laughs> averse to creating hardware that Well, no, no <laughs> nothing would look weirder than the Virtual Boy, probably. Or the original, like, 3DS. yeah. I mean, um, that thing was looked like a prototype that they put on the market. But the, uh, the 3DS? No, the original, original DS. DS. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. thing's a weird-looking beast. Yeah. But um, my guess would be it's going to have longer battery life and a better screen. Like a, like a maybe not OLED, but like... There's no way Nintendo will put an OLED screen no. on it. But it'll have a, I think it'll have a better screen. Yeah. That's, that's all I expect, frankly. Like what a, do you want, though? I want a Switch Pro that is a more that is like the PS4 Pro that is more powerful, runs everything at a better resolution, smoother, better better graphics, and has no portability factor, and it's just a freaking console. I want I want a more powerful console scaled up that just hooks up to the t- hooks to the TV and completely removes the the handheld version, which is never going to happen because the name of the thing is a Switch. Like but it, it invalidates the point of this. Why would you want to get rid of the portability? Because I don't. Why not it. just have it there and just not use it? Because the the reason that it can't be as powerful is because it has to be portable. Mm, yes. I don't know if that's true. Well, yes, because that's why they use the Tegra tri- chip and all that. Like I want an right, actual but they console. could just put a, a Tegra X2 in there instead of the X1 that they have now. In theory, but they're not gonna, because that would be more expensive. I think it's going to be exact same hardware in terms of like functionality, functionality and yeah. form factor. You mean form factor? I mean, I could see them changing sort of little things. I don't know, but I think it's going to be basically the same thing with uh, something physical that makes it obvious it's the different system. Like it has to have that. I don't know what that would be. Ergonomic, some Joy-Cons. kind of ergonomic change. Yeah, something like that. Maybe maybe with the Joy Cons, something modular. Because, um, I mean, let's face it, when you take the Joy-Cons off, this, off, the Switch is a rectangle. It is. There's nothing, yeah. there's no It's just the screen, that's all yeah. it is. Um, but I think it's, I think it's mainly going to have improvements in battery life and, um, and maybe a better Towards screen. portability stuff, yeah. you mean. Because, I, I, frankly, like, if you're looking at the, the deficiencies of the system as it functions as intended, because I use it as a console, I don't care about any of the portability stuff, but if you're talking about, if I'm looking at this in a holistic way at this system, and what's the biggest problem it has uh, in terms of functionality, it's that the batteries last two to three hours. Yeah. If you can double that, maybe, I think you've dramatically improved the oh, usefulness absolutely. of it as a portable system. <clears throat> Just for that myself, would be my first thinking priority. about cross-country flights that take five yeah. to six hours, 
my Switch, sometimes I don't take it on trips with me because I'm like, it's not going to make it all the way through the mm -hmm. trip. It's like... And a large number of people, uh, I don't remember what the poll numbers were, but it was, it was a massive majority use it as a portable system more yeah. often. So if I'm Nintendo, I'm thinking that my priority is to make is to make it last longer on the road and to just make it look better when you look at the screen. And the screen, you know, the existing screen is fine, but it's got some ghosting, it has some image retention problems, like some, some improvements on that front would, would go... Is, I mean, that's not something you could sell it on, really, but that would be something I would like to include in a new revision of it, certainly. Realistically, my best guess is that whatever Nintendo is going to do with a the hardware, dock. they're going to find a way to make it cheaper. Yeah. I don't think they're going to improve things much. Um, I think when they say new version of Switch, they're going to try to find a way to make the Switch for like $80. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the more realistic version of this is it just doesn't come with a dock. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just a, it's just the system. Yeah. And then you could buy the dock late, like... Right. Separately, if for you want. For $120 right. or something yeah. for a piece of plastic. No, you're right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. But just selling the sell, handheld version of it. Sell the cheaper. handheld version of it with a better stand. Yeah. Like a nicer stand. Yeah, one that you can actually rely on it to, like, yeah. stand up the system without, like, wobbling and falling over. Um, I would not be surprised if they put out new Joy-Cons that are more ergonomic, that snap-on. Mm -hmm. Even if you have the old system, you with can... With a D-pad. Yeah, maybe. with a D-pad. Even if you have the old system, it'll still fit. It'll still line up. I think the measurements will be all the same, but I yeah. think it'll just, it'll actually fit your hand instead of being this flat thing on the bottom mm -hmm. that barely has any curves to it and doesn't really fit into your hand at all. Maybe like a more like deluxe one that's like not as concerned with being a sideways controller. Yeah. It's more, it's more for use on the sides of the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think they're going to improve Switch. Like, everyone's hoping for more RAM or more storage. Mm -hmm. I mean, storage to me is the biggest thing. Like, I had to spend money on a stupid SD card because this thing doesn't have any it, space. You could throw them a bone and maybe put 64 gigs built in. I, Memory's cheap. <laughs> That's so why Nintendo. Nintendo tells you to get an right. SD card, though, because right. memory's cheap. But you could... You could I, I wouldn't be floored if they put more in built-in memory into it. I think I think that you're running into that more and more as an issue. Oh yeah, it's a major issue. Like it's insane that I had to spend like I mean I ended up getting it for like a on Black Friday prices or whatever, mm. so I got a really good deal. But normally like the 128 gig <laughs> card that I got is like seventy dollars. Like mm -hmm. you're already the price of Switch is ridiculous for what you're getting. It's way overpriced. Nintendo always has to make a profit on its hardware. It's never mm -hmm. willing to take a loss for its fans, which is another thing that really pisses me off about Nintendo. Because it has the most dedicated fans in the industry, and it rarely, if ever, throws them a bone. It, if anything, it takes advantage of the fact that its fans are so dedicated yeah, but then the and fans, manipulates the them. The fans thank them for that, so it doesn't really I, matter, I does that, it? That's their own fault. I mean, of course it is. They're making their bed and they're lying. But there's but. no incentive for Nintendo to stop doing that. Oh, until, of course so not. Why not when, it all, when it's all about money. Especially when those people don't think that Nintendo thinks it's all about money. They yeah, think, oh, Reggie, they like me. Reggie's their buddy. Yeah, Reggie's my buddy. Like, nope. <laughs> Reggie's counting your money on the way to buy his 10th car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. Like, that's the reality of it. But I don't... In, realistically, I really don't think Nintendo will improve. Look at the 3DS. Did they ever improve the 3DS, or did they just take features away? The new 3DS was improved. It had, like, the the second analog nub. It was more powerful. And it was more powerful. Yeah. yeah. 
And then it got they this charged weird, for it. They did. And then they it got in this weird zone where some games would work and yes. some games wouldn't. They never fully embraced it. It was like there's like very few games that are only on 3D, uh, new 3DS. It was like Xenoblade and a couple others. Maybe Smash, was it Smash Brothers, I think. Um, Here's one thing I would not be surprised if Nintendo makes a new dock. Yeah. And some a dock of... that doesn't scratch it, that you can, that doesn't, it's not like this huge contraption you got to put your Switch in. It's just yeah, something the, that plugs into the bottom of yeah, the Switch. The, the dock has always felt like a very last-minute addition. It's like the first version of the DS. Yeah, it's I, like not really ready for prime time. I remain. I will always be convinced, unless, like, say, I don't know, like, God, I was gonna say Reggie, but I don't know if I'd believe him if he said it. But it's like, like someone directly told me if Iwata came back and told me directly. This was not originally a handheld because I firmly believe the Switch was supposed to be the 3DS's replacement. And when the Wii U crashed and burned, they decided let's just make it a console as well, make it a hybrid, because this, the the dock is such it's Crap. such a <laughs> it's not Nintendo. It's not. It's, yeah. like, Nintendo doesn't put out stuff like that. Nintendo doesn't put out something that that destroys its own yeah. products. <laughs> it's just so flimsy and cheap, and it, it distorts when it's too hot. And, and it's, it's like, $80. It's awful. It's, it's, it's so dumb. And it's not like, an, and even like, I mean, even if you want to talk about like the shitty products that didn't work from Nintendo, like the, the, um, the U-Force or the Virtual Boy or even the Power Glove, all that stuff was better made than the dock. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's it's. So I could see a new dock, or yeah. maybe I could see the dock that they always intended to do, but they just didn't have time to make it. Or maybe by, the by new launch. Switch actually just has like an HDMI port on it. Now you're talking crazy. That <laughs> makes too, too much sense, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Just have the HDMI port. Maybe it's a micro HDMI port or whatever, so they save mm-hmm. a fifty cents because that's how Nintendo is. Maybe it's a micro HDMI port out, and you have to buy an adapter or whatever to go to full HDMI. I mean, I, and then you just charge it by plugging the freaking thing in. Yeah, I I think that's too easy. <laughs> but that that is something that because they feasible. don't want that. They want like they, they don't want it to be oh unplug cord unplug. They want you to put it in the thing that makes it magically work. They want it to they want they want to have that experience of that like, moment. Yeah, where people are like ugh because they don't want it. Well, yeah, because they don't want it to be like oh I'm unplugging and plugging in AV equipment. Right, they want it right. to be like oh I put it in the magic slot and now it's now on, it's the, on television, the television. You know? <laughs> the magic and that's valid. That's a I mean, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a from a business perspective, yeah. it absolutely is. Yeah, like that's that's you know, it, it makes it a special thing instead of just plugging another cable in that any other system would use. Yeah. Um, so I understand why they don't want to do that. Um, I would prefer they did. I'd prefer if it was just like a nice little stand slash dock thing, and you just sort of plug, you stuck it on that, and that's where it charged, and you plugged it into the HDMI, and you're done. Yeah. But like that's just not that's not the 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 appeal to Nintendo. I don't think I think the appeal of the Switch is in part that sort of like instant switch over connection thing that you do with the dock. I would just like the dock to be a better piece of material. Yeah. But I think really isn't the the USP for the switch the the controller snapping into the yeah. tablet. I mean that really is that's what it I think it has to keep. Oh yeah. The dock that's why know. I said, like, you know, my, my switch, my ideal switch would just be a new Nintendo console. Right. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> crap. It runs things really pretty. Yeah. So you start thinking about how they improve the, the power of the 3DS over time, things just started getting murky, where it's mm. like, okay, well, this game will only run on the new, new, new 3DS, while this would run on the 2DS, and, like, 
you need the second an the analog nub for this game. It just got really murky and confusing. And in honesty, Nintendo just kind of bailed on the whole thing. Yeah, like, well, it wasn't that confusing. It was very clear. The games were very clearly labeled if they only worked on the new 3DS. But there just weren't any weren't many of them because there's no point. Like the new 3DS didn't sell in the critical mass numbers that would be required to justify development of th new 3DS only games. Yeah. And uh, and you know it was just a, it was a factor of splitting the user base that just didn't make any sense. And I don't see where it did any Nintendo any good. And that's no, why I. Don't think I so. That's why I don't think that's what we're going to get with no, the version. No, I don't think stage. that'll happen. I mean, they're going to refine also, that's what's just there. not how any of this. I mean, at most, and I don't think there will be a power difference on on the, the new system. But if there were, it would just be like, well, it runs it better. It'll be like a PS4 Pro. That's the new paradigm: is an upgraded piece of hardware under the same generational name runs all the same stuff. It just runs it better. And you will never see a PS4 Pro game that doesn't work on the PS4. Yeah. Uh, at least not until we move into a new generation. Um, and even then, I mean, I think you're. I think that one day you will have like PS games that run on the PS5 and the PS4 Pro and the PS4 Vanilla and on the PS4 Vanilla they just sort of look bad. Ish. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's just like yeah, a, it's like playing on low settings, right? Or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't think you'll ever hit a point where like. Well, you can only have it like that. Where you get cut off. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's sort of the new paradigm. And there's even rumors that Sony's working on you know ways to move your your library forward to the PS5. And um, I think that's just how it's going to work from now on. So I would be very surprised if Nintendo were ever to try that only on new 3DS thing again because I just don't think that worked. And it wasn't worth it. Like nothing yeah. that only ran on the new 3DS really looked any better than anything on the old three. I mean, yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles... Hyrule Warriors ran with a yeah. higher frame rate. Like, you can play it on the old version, and it would chug a little it bit. It really wasn't playable on the old version. Yeah. It was too choppy. Yep. And, like, Xenoblade ran well, and it was only on the new 3DS. And you can see why, because it was a Wii game. But it looked awful. Like, yeah. it was, you know... Like and look, when I say Nintendo's going to make the figure out a way to make it cheaper, that doesn't mean I'm saying there's going to be a price cut. Oh, no, no, no. Now, I'm not saying, like, now it's going to be cheaper to you. I'm saying that now Nintendo's profit margin is far better than it was before. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like, oh, they're going to do this so they can sell it for $200 or $150 or whatever. No. They're going to keep it the same price. They're going to try to spin it to you that it's better than the other one. And they're going to say, you're getting a better system than before, but at the same price. Or I think I think there will be some kind of, like, little incentive things about it. And then they'll probably drop the price of the old model until those are gone. Until they're gone. Until the stock's gone. It, but I don't... I see this as kind of the thing where, like, you know, you got the new 3DS model that then replaced the old 3DS. You know, not the new 3DS in the sense of the more powerful system, but you'd get revisions of the hardware that were then now the new normal. Yeah. And I think that's what this is going to be. I still think... Same we'll, system, yeah. same power, but it just looks a little different, and now that's the Switch. I do think eventually we're going to get just a one piece handheld that plays switch games mm -hmm. um that where the controllers do not slide off of the hardware it's literally just one unit that has a cart slot and you can just play switch games on it it may be well then how are you gonna play snipper clips yeah well it may be when that's a good point though there is some there are some games There's a lot of game, i mean mario party requires you're right to detach no, you're right absolutely well I mean, they're doing the same thing with the 3DS right now. Yeah. There's some games that will work on one and won't work on the other or kind of work on one and work better on the other. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But no matter what, I do not see a price drop unless Nintendo has a really rough Q4.
or ultimately has a really tough 2018, which right now is tracking towards, but Nintendo has two big aces in the hole coming up here yeah. with Pokemon and Smash Brothers. So I really, really don't see that happening. And therefore, I don't know I, if I those are Pokemon, Pokemon more than Smash Brothers. I don't know if those are system sellers. I think Pokemon um, will absolutely Pokemon sell could be. I think most of the Smash, pe- I think. I think most of the people, people that want have. Smash Brothers already own a Switch. Yeah, I'd agree those with that are the too. hardcore. I mean, I've seen people predicting that 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 game's going to sell 25 million copies in like a the first year in like probably lifetime. A lifetime. But the top-selling Switch game the top-selling Smash Brothers is Brawl, which sold like 14 million, which is like I don't see this the, on I mean, a console that only sold 23 million. That's pretty impressive. Brawl? Yeah. Wait, Brawl is game- Brawl is Wii. Oh, Brawl is Wii. Right. Um, that was how much did Melee sell on GameCube? Nine ish, I want to say. That sounds about right. Um, I just don't, or I just don't see because the total sales of the whole series to this point, I think, is like forty million copies of the whole thing. I don't see the the, the Switch version of Smash Brothers selling more than half of the total lifetime sales of the brand. Yeah, yeah. That seems a little extensive. Um, it depends on how the Switch goes. I mean, it's really. At an inflection point right now. Mm-hmm. It is teetering on becoming a smashing success or becoming another Nintendo console. Mm-hmm. And I think this Q4 is really going to tell the tale of where Switch is going in the future. It's re- I think they're hinging real hard on whether they can convert Pokemon Go players to that Let's Go game. They are. That is that is the goal here. That's certainly why it was titled that Definitely. way. Definitely. I just don't know if it's going to work. Um, if it does, like... I think they've opened up a whole new avenue for the system. Uh, yeah. I just don't. I don't know. It's a coin flip, right? I now, will I say this much: I am shocked at how many people still play Pokemon Go. It's still big. It is still litters all my social feeds. Yep. People are like, "I caught a Caterpie." I'm like, "Dude, you're still playing that? Like, what the hell, man?" It's like still millions of people. It means not. I the, know not it's the bigger now mass. than it was. Yeah. It's, it's like it went down. And now it's come right back up, it and it's, back al- up. Yeah, it's they... almost back to where it was when it like first launched. Well, they've, they've made a lot of improvements and made it less annoying yeah. to play. I guess for a while there, I haven't couple, even touched it. A couple work. of those patches really broke a lot of good things about yeah. it. But they've, they've, they've... Well, then they had those events that were like yeah, total that, shit that shows. Con that like basically like <laughs> no one could get yeah. online or yeah, was, yeah. Mistakes were made. Oh, yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't see a lot of Pokemon Go people buying a Switch. No, I think it's like, like I said, I think it's a, it's a, it's a pastime. It's a thing you do when you get you, when you're standing around waiting for your friends to show up at the restaurant. And you realize, oh yeah, I could Pokemon. Yeah. You know, it's not something I think anyone wants to. I don't think the majority of the audience that plays Pokemon Go. Uh, there's like some of the audience that's super casual about the Pokemon thing. Just remember playing as a kid and like yeah. having it on their phone. I don't think they want to go home and sit down and play a remake of the original game. And the, and the other people who are hardcore Pokemon fans and also play Pokemon Go, they're waiting for the, the new generation next right. year on the Switch. Unless, if Nintendo were smart, it would do something with Let's Go that gives you a huge advantage in Pokemon Go. I mean, you can transfer. There is a transfer thing right. going on. But if they could find a way, and I'm sure they're probably already doing this, where you transfer your Pokemon from Go into Let's Go, and then you can, like, power level them already, at, like, four times the speed you could. I don't could. know about that. but uh, Or whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know like, what you're to saying. To incentivize I, people to... I don't think it's going to be that dramatic. I, but Even if it's double. But they've already, they've already like, mined out the data that there's going to be a Pokemon that's exclusive 
to the games that you can only get by playing both of them. Which they've been doing for a long time. Oh, I mean... That was since Red getting, and Blue. Getting all the... Well, that's... This With is, Mew. Yeah, well, not, no, that was a special thing you had to go to a place for. Right. Uh, you could, you but then you could get, trade it through a cable, right? In theory, most people didn't. But like, uh, and then I think there were some problems with trading Mew as well. It was it was some weird thing. You could, you could glitch some stuff out. And but this is something Nintendo's been doing for a long time. It's different to get people to buy different versions. Yeah, but this is different because it's a totally different format. It's it, you know you've never had two games so different from one another work together in the same in the way that this Pokemon. Well, they're on different goes. platforms. Yeah. And I mean, Nintendo has made getting all the Pokemon, especially the legendary stuff, uh, pain in the ass for many couple of generations now. Where you have to go to GameStop, <laughs> you have to go in, get and the codes for things, and do this thing spot. over here, and look at this, and go to Toys R Us, and you got the okay. Then they got oh the shiny ones over here, and it's okay. I I tried to keep up on that for X and Y and Omega Red and and uh, Ruby uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and like it, I was going back and forth to yeah. games. Like, I gave I mean, up. It got to the point where I'd go into one of the local game stops and be like, "We don't have any to." I'm like, "I'm just here to get another game." It's cool. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah. But like, um, I knew who you were. I mean, and some of these, I mean, they'll just hand you a stack of them sometimes, and you can, like, give them away to people on Twitter and shit. But, like, yeah, it's not a self-contained thing. They, there's a lot of, like, promotional stuff. But, like, but yeah, there's someone has mined out that there's a, there's a Pokemon Go, Let's Go crossover thing, and it's going to be the only way you get it. I'm, sur- I'm sure that will drag some people in, unless you can get it by connecting to a friend's Pokemon Let's Go, in which case they'll just do that. One person will have it, and they'll just do it. I highly doubt Nintendo will let that happen. That would be a, a very unusual move <laughs> for Nintendo. They usually think of that ahead That's of time. That's not how Nintendo rolls, Matt. <laughs> it's just not I, just don't, I just don't know. I don't know if um, Pokemon Go seems so wrapped around the idea of actually going. In AR. Which yeah. is why it's called Pokemon Go. Go. That Pokemon sit on couch doesn't seem like something. Pokemon, that's going to let's really go take that. back inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's all go to the lobby <laughs> and get ourselves a snack. All right, snack at you. <laughs> all right, let's move on. We're going to move on to our last topic of episode one forty three. Uh, just five topics this week, but I think it's been five good ones. Uh, we're going to talk about Fallout 76. So we've been railing on this game here on Game Face for a few months now, mm-hmm. wondering when will we finally get to see what it actually plays yeah. and looks like. And I that keep, moment came this week. I keep thinking... This is dating myself, but there's a there's a bunch of gas stations called 76. Yeah? With the big no, they still orange exist. ball. They're still around, yeah. yeah. But back in the day when I was a young kid, uh, very young, I was obsessed with the balls, the, the orange, the big orange, the orange balls. balls that rotated above the gas stations. We would, we'd sit, go in the car, and I'd lean, look, look out the window the whole time, and I was, I was like two or three, and I'd, be, I'd always be like, another ball, there's another ball, like another <laughs> ball. And so that was like a big thing. My grandpa thought that was the cutest thing in the world. So, I, I'd, I had, so he would buy the little 76 like wind, wind uh, antenna balls and stuff for me to play with. So I had 76 mer- memorabilia all over the wow. place when I was a kid. And the, the 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 slogan thing was the spirit. It was a song. It was like a jingle. It's like the spirit of '76. Yeah, I remember I, that. Yeah. yeah. And so whenever I see Fallout '76, that's what I think of. <laughs> Fallout '76. Like I, I was like, oh, well, there was jazzy. also the spirit of '76 big thing back in 1976. Well, yeah, because it was the bicentennial. Right. Because, so yeah. that, but that was like kind of the thing that '76. But it was like weird as a into. kid growing up. You know, I didn't really know what was going on. But then, like in the '80s. I would see all this spirit of '76 right. crap around like my parents' house or whatever. Right. It was like a big thing back then. Well, that I, I didn't was, experience, but it was a big deal apparently. Yeah, because I was born in '76. Yeah. But I, I, it was like the, the 
the wreckage of that celebration <laughs> kind of <laughs> remained it for like five to ten years. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Sad All we right. missed it. Let's talk about Fallout 76. Uh, there are Speaking of wreckage. Yeah. <laughs> there, oh. there is a lot of footage out there now. It went from zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. It's, it's almost like they realized it was coming up. Yeah, they're going to have to release Holy it. Oh, crap. We may have to show people the game finally. Bring everybody in and let them capture direct feed right now. Yep. And uh, so did you get to watch a lot of the footage? I watched, um, was it GameStop? GameSpot? Oh, I hate that. Um, <laughs> GameSpot You're did, not uh, alone in that. did like a 50-minute like, thing. Like they played yeah. for three hours and cut the stuff, cut it down like 50 minutes of important sh- yeah. stuff. I watched that, and I read like the 12 things you should know that you might not know and all you know, the okay. basic stuff. I admit I didn't make it through all 50 minutes. <laughs> um, I don't think you're alone in that there, one, Matt. There's a point at which um, I get it. It's a Fallout 4 mod. I understand you are really tripling down on the whole crafting building thing, which is, like, not a thing I find interesting. Ooh. It's, yeah. Like, it's... Not a very pretty game. No, look, it is. Look at this hole right here. Look at the... It's like an octagon. When he goes... Look at that. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is Fallout 4 repurposed as an always online game. Yep. So, I guess... Yeah, using mod isn't that far out of the realm of reason. Uh, yeah, I think this is what I watched. An right? official mod, but a mod no yeah, less. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's, it's it's as much of a one as, like, say, New Vegas was of three. Yeah. Now, how do you... Now, look, they, I, we don't want to completely crap on this, because I think that they are doing some smart stuff with how they're setting it up. I mean, obviously, your mileage is going to vary with Fallout 4. Either you've played it to death and you don't want to play it again, or you love it and you can't get enough of it and you want more of it um but there are things i feel like that they're doing with the game that that are kind of clever um so you mentioned like the base building and the camp building but the cool thing about this game is that your base is portable so you don't have to venture like all the way back to go back and craft it kind of travels along with you so to speak Mm -hmm. which to me is a big upgrade over fallout 4 um but then there's these other things called workshops that are littered around the environment, and then you use those to craft like the really killer gear in the game. Um, but the cool thing about it is, is that you have to take control of the workshop, and then you have to defend it, or somebody else can come in and take over the workshop, and you'll get an alert. Your workshop is under attack, and you can set it up with defenses and turrets and all that stuff, and other players can come and try to take your workshop. And you'll get an alert, someone's attacking your workshop, you travel over there, hopefully your defenses have held up. I like that. I think that's a cool idea. I think it could be fun. I think it's a kind of a fun way to do PvP. It's a, it's a cool idea that will be sound cool until the instant it makes contact with the actual player base. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I, I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, I think the way they're handling the loot makes sense. Loot, contain- loot containers are instanced. Everybody gets different stuff, so you're not mm-hmm. like fighting or scrounging over the, the spoils of each battle that takes place. Um, I really like the way they're doing PvP. Have you heard about how they're doing it? Not really. I didn't get a clear sense of that from watching the video. So there's a system... Except when the, the Bethesda guy just murdered them all. That was fun. <laughs> that was a very a- accurate depiction of what I think the game will be like. <laughs> Uh, so PvP, there's this thing called assassination targets that you have to opt into. So mm-hmm. 
If you don't want to do PvP in this game, you don't have to. You can opt out of it. People can attack you at all times, but they've jimmied the levels. So they've jimmied both the levels and the power of each player, and they've jimmied the payouts to discourage sort of high-level players from griefing the lower-level players. So first oh, of all... That is not why people grief lower-level players. They just do it to They do, do it, it to piss them off. They do. They just, yeah, they, they do don't it. care what the loot looks like. Well... They're trying to curb it. So essentially, like if, if a high level level player kills you, one is hard to kill you because they kind of buff your defense skill if you're up against a high powered character. So it would become very tedious of them trying to chip you down to kill you. Uh, but second of all, if they do kill you, they get like hardly anything for it. So they're basically doing everything they can to incentivize people to not just go and grief lower level characters. I think that's at least a smart idea. Uh, yeah, so there's damage resistance scaling so that you can hang with the higher level players if you're low level. And then you get low uh, rewards for killing low level players. Um, assassination targets is kind of cool though. So you opt into it, you're like, okay, I want to do this. And basically it's a round robin of people going after each other to kill them. And again, you can opt in, you can opt out. It's not just a part of the game. You're not going to always have somebody hunting you down unless you want it. But if you want it, they, there you can have somebody, a lot like the mercenaries in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, someone who's always hunting you down in the game to kind of add that extra layer of tension to what for a lot of people at this point is kind of a rote experience. Mm. I hate to say it, but after you played Fallout 3 and 4 for probably a total of 120 hours, you kind of need something to spice it up, I think. You, I don't think they could have just made Fallout 5 and have it be a smashing success this early. I think they would have had to wait till the next-gen consoles to do that. Definitely, because it, it, it's got to look better than this from now on. But the best thing about the assassination... Same with Elder Scrolls, really. The best stuff about the assassination targets in PvP is that you don't get caps or experience from it. It's purely just to add tension and a new element to the overall experience. And obviously, any PvP opponent is going to be far smarter than an opponent that's controlled by computer AI, at least now. Maybe in five years, that'll be the case. But now it is. So if you also want to add a little bit of challenge to the game, that's one way to do it. Um, there are bleed-outs in the game. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and then once you do die, you can choose where you want to respawn. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't just respawn you in some random location. Um, one thing I noticed just watching the footage is that there's load times when going indoors and outdoors. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's a Fallout, Fallout classic. It is, but when you're talking about like a, an always online open world game, I think that's maybe where you got to draw the line and say that's not good enough anymore. I don't know. Well, that seems like a huge contrivance to me. I think me. You, you could use that phrase about a lot of things in this footage. Yeah. No pause button. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's always online, but that's a big change for Fallout. No vats. No vats. I mean, the, it's the, like, there what's is, called, like, active vats or yeah, something? Yeah, there is vats, but it's basically, like, a weird, like, auto-aim feature. Right, Where, like, yeah. you, can, like, you have a percentage chance of automatically hitting whatever body part you're choosing, whether you're pointing at them or not. Yeah. That's basically what happens, right. which is dumb. But, like, I mean, it's like... This, the, other, the thing about this that really like sinks it for me is even just watching this, it's like Fallout 4 tried to be more of an action shooter. It did. It did and not, now it's gone all the way. It did not accomplish that, in my opinion. Yeah, because the shooting mechanics were crap. Yeah, and I, this doesn't look any different to me. This looks not good to, to shoot play in. Like I, <laughs> I, shoot, like... I think this game looks awful. 
Really? Just absolutely repulsively awful. Really? Like, I don't want to play this for a second. Wow. Like, oh, I... Oh, come on. You're going to play it. No, I'm not. I'm not buying this game. Really? I don't want to play any of this. I have no interest in what they're doing with this. Wow. I will probably play Fallout 5 whenever that comes along. Wow. This, I am surprised I to hear no, that. I have zero interest in what they're doing here. Like, it feels like... it. And I might be wrong, uh, but like it, it, what I'm wa- what I've watched about this game, like it looks like it's just like brainless wandering of, of of the same thing over and over again, and like people running around doing stupid emotes, and like it's everything I don't like about multiplayer stuff. It's I just you know there's, there doesn't seem to be any real story. There's, the exploration is just sort of still hinging on kind of gathering nonsense that fills up your inventory so you can build stuff later, which is not something I care about. I do like the nuke people thing. <laughs> I, I think that's cool. I mean, that's a cool mechanic that I can imagine getting annoying really fast, but that's a, that's, it, 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 fits the, it fits the property really well. Well, apparently the nukes, one, aren't all that frequent, and two, they're easy to get away from. But they did say that it actually changes the environment. So after an area is nuked, everything's dead. All the foliage has gone off the trees. Um, all the grass is burned up. Uh, so it does actually alter the environment. I don't know how long that lasts or if it just lasts for like five seconds and it goes back to the way it was before. I think it basically creates a temporary high-level area. Like ba- like that whole section. Because then new creatures start New creatures coming. come out. It becomes radioactive. You need more resources to survive it. Um, basically, for a while, whatever, where the place that got nuked is is like a, a top level, top tier level area that only high level players will be able to survive in. That's kind of cool. But it's, yeah, it's a cool idea, like um, to kind of create uh, a higher risk, higher reward zone off of what is already a pretty major, you know, game changer of a of a feature. Like yeah. that, that's like the coolest thing I think, uh, uh, and, the, and the newest idea they have in this. It just doesn't. To take real advantage of it, you'd have to be high enough level that you have to play it for a long time. And I just look at this, and all I see is all the hours I spent playing Fallout 4 and getting bored and walking away from it. Yeah. Um, you were not a big fan of Fallout 4 at first. I was not. You came around on it a little bit. I replayed it earlier this year uh, because I basically ended up with all the DLC somehow for free. On, I think on Xbox Live Gold. And then the the base game was for sale on Xbox Live for like nine bucks, so I'm like, why not? why not? So I played it. I actually did play it again for like thirty or so hours, That's and a lot. I I enjoyed it. I I think part of it, the reason I liked it better this time, is I got to the Valentine quests earlier, and that's probably the best, the best part, part of the, of the game. game. Absolutely, um, not even close. And uh, so that was fun, but when I was done with that, I just sort of drifted away from it. And that was also like during a lull in releases, and yeah. more stuff came out, and I didn't have to go back to a two-year-old game I didn't even like that much. Um, and it was just like, like I, I, the combining the constant crafting thing with the whole your inventory management is such a big deal because of weight. That is the opposite of fun to me. I like, hate encumbrance. That's one of my biggest I don't like that at all. games. I hate it. Um, and it's not it's a like you let me go into this fantasy world, but then you ground me with weight. Right. It's like, and like <laughs> what that makes no sense. Like I don't think it's coincidence. Like when I played The Witcher Three uh, on PC, the first time I played it was on PC. The first thing I did, the only mod I put into it was to remove weight limit. Yeah. And I then, would do that too. And then when I went back to play it on Xbox One X earlier at the beginning of this year. I was like, well, I want to try it and see what it looks like with all the HDR and everything, but like, I wonder if I'll be able to deal with you know unmodded inventory. And it turned out that in all the updates they'd done since then, basically you had like up like inventory uh, weight weight upgrade stuff to the point that like 
I ne I never ran out of inventory space ever because they they tweaked it until people stopped complaining. I think. Yeah. Um, and it's just not an interesting thing. I don't know what the weight limits are on this game. Maybe they are astronomically high. Uh, it took me twenty hours to hit the the, the inventory limit on uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah. Which at early on I didn't. I didn't realize even know there was a weight. There limit. is three hundred and fifty items. Really? You, you, you can, I haven't hit it yet. <laughs> I didn't even know there was one. Yep. I had no idea. There's a little thing up in the up in the upper right corner of the inventory. It says like whatever out of 350, <laughs> and I funny. finally I finally gathered so many pairs of boots <laughs> that they that oh, they man, made I me sell or scrap all that stuff. I was just I was in a wandering exploration mode, and I for hours and hours and hours and didn't sell anything off for like probably like 10 hours. Yeah. And like finally the game was like you need you need to put down some helmets, sir. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it uh, like none of it, none of what I see here, and none of what I've read about this, uh, you know, all the impressions that have come out, like none of it makes makes it something I want to play. Certainly, something I don't want to pay sixty dollars for. Um, I think maybe because of the online nature of it, I could see myself maybe down the line, like Destiny style, thinking like, well, the upgrades they've made and the the, the changes they made or the, the improvements or whatever seem pretty cool. I feel like it could evolve to a point where it would be something I'd want to play, but what I'm seeing right now just looks like a mod of a Fallout game that I have already played. A couple more really notes I about. have. Um, no CPU NPCs. You just you get quests just through like poking around the world and examining yeah. things. Meh. How do you feel about that? I think that's dumb. That's weird. I, that's, it's I'm feels, not the world's biggest MMO player, but no, that but just seems like... It feels anathema to Fallout to yeah, me. Yeah, it just uh, seems like they're trying Bethesda to be different Fallout. just to be different, not because it's better. Uh, then there's a card-based perk system. Mm -hmm. um, the perk stuff seemed interesting. Like, the way they've tweaked the stat stuff is interesting. Like, the way they've made charisma important is yeah, kind of a that's cool a, idea. Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. Um, where that, like, influences how much your abilities transfer to your teammates. Yep. Like, that's a neat idea. I like yep. that. I like that, too. Um, I don't like that the bobbleheads are temporary power-ups instead of permanent upgrades to yeah. your character. Like, I know that's a really specific Fallout old-school nerd problem, but, like, the bobbleheads should be the most the best thing you can find. Oh, for sure. And now they're just like an hour-long boost to something, and that's annoying. Uh, there are server-wide events. Of course. Which you would expect, but in the Fallout universe, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, is it, is it really the, the, catch, the, the hook for this? Hey, you haven't really liked MMOs before, maybe, but now it's in the Fallout universe, so you might. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that I, kind of the pitch? I don't know if I call this an MMO. Like, it's... It's just like a, like a mildly mid-scale shooter, online shooter co-op thing. Like, I don't... Like, it's just not an interesting concept to me. Like, this could be Transformers, and I wouldn't be all that excited about it. You really? Know? Yeah. There's plenty of Transformers games that I don't, I don't bother <laughs> to play, because most of them are mobile garbage. That's why. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, like, this is not a thing that, like, feeds into my interest in what I want to play and making it fall out. Maybe one time, at one point, it would have gotten my attention, but like it certainly didn't make you know Fallout branding didn't make Brotherhood of Steel any better. Yeah, it didn't make me play Fallout Tactics any longer. So it's it's just another wasteland. Yeah, the it's cool uh, that it's in West Virginia. At least it looks different. It does. Uh, the car based perk system. Um, there's some. There's one other detail that I that I picked up on, and that was that. Um, for your first four levels of the game, you can be immune to PvP mm. or other players attacking you. Uh, you have to use the pacifist perk. And mm. if you enable that for the first four levels, nobody can attack you no matter what. 
So that can kind of ease you into that environment with the uh, assassination targets and just the griefers who are going to want to just run around and just give everybody else a bad day. Um, I'm certainly more excited for this than you are. Um, You'd have to be. Yeah, because you're rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I mean, all you can't that and, go lower than zero. And then on top of that, you want me to keep drinking on a regular basis <laughs> and so I don't get parched. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, this is this is the I mean I don't play survival mode stuff in the Fallout you know in other games any either it's just it's not a thing I'm interested in uh, yeah. in part because it's not my preferred game type and also in part because like I don't think the way Bethesda does it is very good like that's that same thing with like why I don't you know if if this was maybe like Borderlands maybe I'd be more interested because I know the gunplay is going to be cool Borderlands but, Two VR announced today hmm. did you see that no I didn't see yeah. that. Uh, that seems like a real good way to make you sick, real fast. Yep, <laughs> um, absolutely. <laughs> like I just, you know, like even even watching them play this, it's like it's doing that thing that I, I hate in Fallout Four, in where it's like, oh, I'm sure. Oh, no, it's them. this side. No, it's that side. No, I missed them on this side. Missed them on that side. It's like it, it doesn't look like fun to me. Yeah, I mean, the shooting mechanics in this franchise are not good. I mean, Fallout Four was really the first test for it, and they're not great. So, and you're gonna be doing a whole lot of shooting in Looks this like game, it. like a ton of it. Um, but I am certainly more excited for this than you are. I will absolutely give it a chance, and I will absolutely play it. Uh, I'm not a big MMO. F- I wouldn't even call myself a fan of MMOs at all. In fact, I typically detest MMOs. Are they calling so. this an MMO? No, like not it really. Would, this is, I would never call this an MMO. Like Why, though, would you not call it an because, MMO? Because it's a limited it's server. Massively. It's not massively. It's, it's is that mo- true? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's got to be a certain number of people per map, per server. Why, why is that the case? Because I'm pretty sure the technology doesn't exist to have tens of thousands of people on the single map. Uh, then how they do it in P- PC MMOs? Because those are broken up into different chunks, and there are different servers. But like, like a server for like World of Warcraft will have thousands of people on it. I'm pretty sure a server for this is just a single West Virginia map. I think you're going to have like maybe 60 people or something. Really? Like, yeah, this isn't MMO. It's oh, not MMO. I didn't think that. I thought there was going to be tons of people. It's like it's like. A couple dozen players per map or something. It's, it, you're not. There's not like hundreds of people playing really? with you. It's like it's like a battlefield game. Are you maximum. sure about that? I'm definitely sure about that. This is not an MMO. Oh, that's disappointing. I, I thought for sure it was. No, they've never positioned it as. I mean, I'm sure they've said. Let me see. I'm sure, or at least maybe this week they said. I don't know. One thing I will say that was encouraging is a lot of people who played it said that they. Struggled to tell the difference when playing by themselves, uh, playing this game versus playing Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that it, if you just want to play by yourself, it's completely feasible to do so, and they saw very few discernible differences between playing this or playing Fallout 4 by yourself. So, Fallout 76 Project lead Jeff Gardner revealed that the current form of the game supports about 24 to 32 players per server. There you go. How many players on each uh, World of Warcraft server? Do you know? Uh, I probably used to know. I don't like, <laughs> like a ten thousand, hundred thousand. Like, do you know ballpark? Uh, I don't. I, it's probably changed so much. I don't know. Well, we kept complaining. Uh, we kept asking for Fallout, and we got it. In Orgrimmar, not. in Orgrimmar and Stormwind, you have about one thousand people per ser- per city, balancing out the server population. Okay, yeah, big difference. Max okay. server capacity says anywhere. But Google says anywhere between five thousand and ten thousand. There you go. Big difference. So this you're is, right. Yeah, this is not an this MMO. This is like MMO light light. 
Well, no, it's a multiplayer. Like MMO it's, Zero. It's, it's just a multiplayer survival <laughs> game. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, DayZ or whatever. I thought Days had more people than that. Uh, I think it does have more than that, but I don't, it doesn't have thousands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess there's never really been a hard definition of what is the uh, break point for player count before it's an MMO versus just an online game. Well, I don't that's, know if that's I, ever been determined. Well, I think it's thousands. It's, yeah. I mean, massively means something. Yeah. I mean, Battlefield isn't a massively multiplayer game. That's really disappointing to people. think there's only going to be like 30 players in each server. That doesn't seem like enough for as big as the world is typically in a Fallout game. Mm. It seems like it'd be really empty. I don't know. Well, like maybe they have a way to kind of corral you, and you can see where everybody is on the map at any point. Yeah, and there. Are, I don't know. It seems like if you're going to have that whole assassination system, you should have a lot more human players than that. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just like one thirtieth of the total player count is one, a person coming after you. Like so, Day Z has I think it looks like eighty. Yeah, 80, per, eighty per server, eighty yeah. per game. That's the same number as. Call of Duty Blackout, yep. the Battle Royale mode for Call of Duty. So, oh, did you know um, uh, there is a Battle Royale in uh, Assassin's Creed? No. Not multiplayer, but you can. there's, oh. a, there's a hundred there's a hundred man battle. Oh, uh, I haven't got find. there yet. Yeah, it yeah. plays the same. It's like a hundred people just trying to kill each other. I'll probably find it at like three in the morning tonight. Like I it's found a, a lot of uh, it's it's a game. side quest. Oh, like if you're not like poking around at un- unimportant islands, you may miss it. But Do it they is, call it, like, something snarky? It's called the 100-hand fight or 100-hand yeah. battle or something like that. Gotcha. All right. Well, you really hate Fallout 76? I don't know if I hate it, but I just don't have any interest in playing it. Uh, I do. I'm going to check it out. So, um, it's not... If I played it, I might hate it. I don't know. <laughs> it's not too far away. So, we'll be getting our hands on it pretty soon. I usually get Bethesda review code Was way it, like, early. First week of November? Yeah. And I usually get Bethesda review code really early, so and their embargoes are usually okay. Like they'll be like, okay, you can talk about this, this, and this for like the week before, and mm-hmm. so we should be able to talk about it on the show here pretty, pretty soon. So not much longer to wait to get our hands on the real McCoy. But yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm disappointed as well. I'm not trying to say like you know it's all rainbows and unicorns. I'm disappointed in what I've seen so far. But I haven't completely shut the door on it because I do think there are some unique concepts mm-hmm. and ideas that they're kind of imparting into the online stuff that I haven't really seen in other shooters. I might not be, a lot of it, but I there's mean some. I might be more open to it if it was like July. But like I got Assassin's Creed to play. Starlight yeah. comes out next week, and then you got Red Dead Redemption and the stiff like, competition. Well, I mean, what bothers me the most, I think, is that other projects were pushed back for this. Probably, mm. maybe not. I don't think. I mean, Bethesda by like years Beth- or whatever. But th- this is not the core Bethesda team. Like this didn't delay Elder Scrolls Six or anything. Like this is not. They didn't make this. Who's developing this? I can't remember. It was it was the guys who did uh, that game that was shown once and disappeared. You remember? Yeah, Battle Cry. Yeah, it's oh. those guys. Oh, Battle Cry Studio did this. That's what I thought. No. Oh. But that means that we never got Battle Cry because of this, Matt. Well, it's. Ba- <laughs> 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 you can't get all everything you, you can't want. always get what you want so there you go that's fallout 76 initial impressions based upon other people's playtime. so once we get our chance to uh give it a go maybe our impressions will change maybe matt's impressions will change a little bit for the better good luck <laughs> but right now he's definitely not having it and uh i think I think there's possibilities there. I think there's some cool ideas yeah, they, in the it, game that could make it fun. Yeah, they code. I mean, they're Bethesda Game Studios Austin now, and not 
Bio, Bio, Battle Cry Studios right, for obvious right. reasons. This is co-developed with Bethesda Game Studios. I'm pretty sure this game, I mean, in the schedule, they got one thing a, a year, but I'm pretty sure that they've got other stuff. They've, they've got Co-developed fish means to fry. they were giving that studio assets. Right. They, they were, <laughs> Bethesda was, the game studio was instructing them right, yeah. on they how to do it. They were developing. making sure it still it fit the Fallout brand and everything was copacetic with that and everything. Um, I'm sure there was guidance, but like it, I, I don't think it took time and resources away from like Elder Scrolls 6 or um, what else are they work? Oh, uh, Starfield. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that that's all. I, th- I think those games just have to wait for the next generation, basically. Probably. Well, I think we're definitely getting them next generation. Yeah. Whether that was a part whether of Whether we like it or not, whether they like it or not. <laughs> I don't they... think there's any choice. Look, as long as it's not on the Gamebryo thing, I'm fine. Like, yeah. I'll wait. <laughs> I can wait as long as it, as long as it doesn't look like that again. Oh, boy. Yep. All right, it's time to move on for our trailer of the week. I don't know, maybe you just remaster Skyrim again. Again? You can only repackage that game so many times. I can remaster Skyrim 14 times and they never did a remaster of like Morrowind. I'd like to play Morrowind again with like Skyrim's production values. That's what they should do. And I know that there's like, I know there's fan mods to do that and stuff, but like, I'd buy that. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. I think a lot of people haven't played Morrowind. No, I don't think so. Yeah. so a lot of people were introduced like on consoles, and Morrowind yeah. had kind of come and gone. Well, the problem is like Morrowind is all text, and you'd have to like revoice everything. And now you're talking about project that's too expensive to warrant. Never gonna the effort. Not gonna happen. All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. It was actually a terrible week for trailers for whatever reason. I never yeah. really know until we go to stack the show, and then I I sift the site by trailers and by the last week. And uh, that's when the, the tale is told. And there were not a lot of great choices this week. But uh, I think we found one worthy of Trailer of the Week. And that is a trailer for Darksiders 3 called Force Hollow. Let's roll it. Matt, are you hyped for Darksiders 3 at all? I don't know if hyped is the word I'd use. I keep forgetting it's coming out this year. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's going to get swallowed up. I think you're right. And I, I think, think you're going to be able to buy that game for $25 in I February. I think that's a shame. I, lo- I, I, I like the first one. I think the second one is flawed but interesting. Uh, I think it's a shame because, like, one day it would be nice if they followed up on the cliffhanger of one. Yeah. Where, like... Where like the the other three horsemen are coming down to help out war, and it's like, and they keep making prequels, and like, um, I understand like you don't want to commit to like the big the big shebang really, because right. like basically like the, the the promise of the cliffhanger at the end of Darksiders one is Armageddon times four, right? Basically, yeah. but like no one wants to like actually do that, <laughs> and like, they don't want to have to produce. But it. I think this game is going to 
tank so hard because it's coming out in late November. No one even knows what it is. Like the hype is gone. See, th- this it's, is a danger of which is, which is terrible because I'm interested. A small publisher is your publisher because mm-hmm. a game like Darksiders Three for its publisher is its biggest game of the year. So if you're the publisher, what are you going to do? You're going to put it out in Q4, which puts it up head-to-head with the best mm-hmm. games in the industry. And even if it's really good, it really has no chance. So hopefully the studio working on the game isn't, doesn't have an incentive-laden contract. Yeah. Well, it's THQ TH- Nordic, right? Yeah. So whatever. I mean, this is their biggest game of the year. They're going to put it out in Q4. I understand. I mean, why, I hope but... it's good. I like the Dark Siders games. I think there's a lot of potential in that in that brand. Um, I think this one looks pretty good. Uh, I just think it's going to be completely forgotten yeah. in the shuffle. Like it's just right. It's like we won't forget it, but consumers certainly. Yeah, will. for sure. Yeah, and like it's just it's every time they put out new media for it, I'm just like, oh, that's this year. It's, that's so weird. Like it's, it just kind of came out of nowhere when they first ran that trailer near the beginning of 2018. I'm like, oh, that's a cool thing to look forward to in like two years or something. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, it's ready. Oh, here like, it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I knew that when IGN started blowing it out, I'm like, oh, that game's farther yeah. along than I thought. I just, I mean, I just, I, and it doesn't even make any sense to like move it to like Q1 cause Q1's packed too. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe they'll get luck out and get some like, christmas sales or something <laughs> like i because i'd like to see more. it would have done way better if it launched in january february yeah. march i'd like to see more of them i'd like to see more darksiders i'd like to see them finish the story i'd like yeah. to see them kind of achieve that but like i feel like this might be the end and then again i said the same thing about two so right who knows it was i mean it is a video game zombie yeah. it was brought back from the dead yeah i mean fitting it may go back matter. in the grave after this one it just seems like there's always going to be somebody that wants to bring that back yeah because like, it's because it, i think almost everyone that touches it is like yeah there could be something really great in here and yeah. it just hasn't quite happened and it just keeps not, not quite happening, happening. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to some questions. Uh, let's see. W. Matthew, what do you think of the rumors of Microsoft buying Obsidian? I think it's a good uh, thing. It will let them make AAA games again. Uh, assuming you think they've ever made AAA games. Yeah. Um, this is a little weird because Microsoft and Obsidian had like a huge falling out, didn't they? No, that was Bethesda. It was Bethesda? Over New Vegas. That's the rumor. I thought Microsoft also had... No, I thought Microsoft was co-developing a game with Obsidian at some point, like four years ago, and like the whole thing fell through. I don't remember Maybe I'm that. crazy. I thought I remembered something like that. I don't remember that, but Obsidian has had a lot of start and stop projects, so it's not, yeah. not impossible. Um, Obviously, now the most recent project from Obsidian is Pillars of Eternity, which is a yep. great. People love it. I didn't love it, but people who like that genre love yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know if they need that, but like, I mean, it, financial stability is good, but the, I think the purchasing of Microsoft, if Microsoft purchased Obsidian, on one hand, it would be nice that like you you would have the budget and you'd have the backing and they wouldn't have to worry about it anymore and it could just make like, you know, top level versions of these kind of games that they're so good at making, particularly so good at writing. Yeah. But it would also be kind of a shame because like, they're one of the last long-standing, you know, self running developers and they almost been, went under in 2012 came though. real close a few times they're, they're a bit of a cockroach but like yeah. they've, they've made, managed to come back and do it and I, it was a kind of a nice little comeback story of like they they didn't just come back and like 
be successful again. They came back and were successful again with the games they'd been successful with before. Yeah. Like, that's the great thing about the Obsidian story, I think, is that they proved that the stuff they'd always made from the beginning was the thing that people wanted and just the and publishers wouldn't give them a chance. Yeah. And then they, you know, the crowdfunding thing allowed them to put that kind of content. And now, like, other companies are making those, you know, Larian's making the Divinity games that are yeah. like that. I mean, I mean, the, uh, they were right. Like, they were completely yeah. right. There was a thirst for that. And it would be a shame to see that the end result of that ended up being that they get swallowed by a giant megalith kind of thing. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, them with some stability and some big budgets and access to all the tools that Microsoft has and all the other studios. If Microsoft would be willing to let them make the stuff they make I think without interference. Be. like. Because, you know, you, there's that temptation of like, oh, well, this Pillars of Eternity thing is pretty cool, but what if it looked like Mass Effect? You know, like, because you want to, you know, you want to make it a 3D action game or something. And then you end up with Dragon Age Inquisition and nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a double-edged sword. Like, it'd be, it'd be nice that if Obsidian, if a company like Obsidian could continue to survive as an independent entity, but Microsoft buying them is better than them going away. So I'm yeah. kind of, I guess I'm kind of ambivalent about it in the end. I would. I, in the end, I would just like more Obsidian games. However, I however that needs to to happen. Uh, here's one from J Reed Vic Seven. What if Nintendo let the Microsoft Surface team that does the Surface Pro hybrid laptops, tablets, design the updated Switch? Um, is there a realistic way to get a good hybrid that doesn't skimp on performance to such a degree that it can't play current games? Not for the amount of money Nintendo wants to spend on it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The Microsoft Surface team is definitely not designing the new <laughs> Switch. I'll answer that part of the question right away. That's definitely not happening. Um, I mean, cost. I mean, if, you, yeah. if you're willing to spend $600, $700 on the hybrid, yeah. I mean, there are gaming laptops that can compete with tower. Like, yeah. you, I mean, it can be done... But it costs a lot of money, and they generally run really freaking hot. Like, even those gaming laptops. I mean, there's a reason they made those corny, like, lap coolers mm -hmm. that you put on your lap for oh, those yeah. gaming laptops. I have one of those, and, like, that's... I mean, yeah, you don't want to use that on a bed. It'll burn your leg. It It'll set your, your covers on fire. Yeah. yeah, there's... I mean, they could do it, but I just think it would be unwieldy, and... Yeah. I, honestly, feasibly, no. I don't think there really is no. a way to do it. That would be a consumer-grade... Uh, electronic. Um, Majora Tom, uh, given that Sony has now officially confirmed they're working on next generation hardware, and Microsoft confirmed back at E3, what timetable do you think is more likely for when the next console releases, 2019 or 2020? I still think 2020. Yeah, I don't think next year either. I think we'll get tech demos mm -hmm. at uh, E3 next year. I think we'll see like maybe a demonstration of like here's what Last of Us Two is going to look like when it comes out this fall, yeah. and here's what Last of Us Two will look like on PlayStation Five kind of thing. But I think we'll get tech demos. We'll get some. I don't think they'll throw around many specs though because it probably no. still isn't final. I think we'll get some tech I think, demos. Yeah, I think you'll get some like here's a target, you know, demo of like what we think. Yeah. It will look like it'll be like a Watchdogs one thing. It'll be like here's what we think they'll look as like. As long as it's not another kill zone. And then yeah, well I don't know. Watchdogs <laughs> was pretty bad too in yeah. terms of wearing it. No, it was ultimately. But at least Watchdogs was actually running on hardware, and Killzone was not. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Not Cirque. I know you guys don't play the Switch in handheld mode. I do sometimes. I'm watching television or whatever. Matt though doesn't. 
Uh, but lately, I've exclusively used the Switch as a handheld. I mainly play Dragon Ball Fighters, great game. And I like that I can play while commuting on the subway in DC. It gives me a chance to practice combos and other strategies. If you're commuting with your Switch, which games would you play? I wouldn't bring my Switch with me. Like, it's I would. just too fragile. I wouldn't want to... Dude, that. I bought a case that I think could take, like, a bullet. Well, I mean, I have a <laughs> Zelda case, which is pretty good, but it's just... I, same with the Vita. I'm like, I don't want to drag that thing around with me. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen to it. It's got analog sticks sticking up. Like, it's just not a thing I would ever occur to me to take it on the road with me. It's a it's a target for someone to swipe it. Like, it's it's not a thing I would... I would there's nothing I can play on it that I wouldn't rather play uh, on a TV. Right, but he's saying while you're commuting, why not just play it? Because I have a phone. You'd rather play games on your phone? I'd rather read or do something, uh, do something I, else. I don't need to be playing video games at all times, because, I mean, maybe I'd bring my 3D, I'd bring my 3DS, maybe. Like, I still, there's plenty of Fire Emblem shit I haven't finished. Um, or, like, it's just not, uh, there's not much that I play, you know, the Switch's advantage is, like, it provides a really console-style experience for most of the games they make for it but that also to me makes it not a very useful handheld experience yeah. like it's just it's not a th- I, it would never occur to me to take the switch on the road for anything that wasn't like a plane flight where i could really sit down and get into it yeah for me i would i would take my switch during a commute but i would play i wouldn't play a lot of 3d games i would play indie 2d stuff um, i get motion sickness if i read while i'm in a car on a plane, it's not a problem because you're basically sitting still. I don't get motion sickness on planes. But in a car, a bus, something like that, I do. And Boat, so hovercrafts. Yeah. Like yeah. Anything that moves. Yeah, really. so he's, I, he's, so I he's think a delicate if I, man. Yeah, so I think if I were playing a 3D game on a bus or something like that, I would probably get ill. Um, so I just play something simple. I think it's easier to concentrate on. You have all this other stuff going on around you while you're playing. Um, and I just think simple games are make for better commuting games, if that makes any sense. Oh, let's see. Uh, Mitchell is alive. Would you say 2018 has been a better year for games than 2017? What's been your biggest surprise hit of the year? Good question. Mm. Trying to think about last year. Last year was pretty damn good. Yeah, some good stuff last we year. You sure did. I don't know. I, don't, I feel like a couple of the games that are going to determine the answer to that question are not out yet. Yeah. Um, I think Red Dead will have a bit, lot to say yeah. in that. I think um, Red Dead has a lot to say. I think Smash Brothers has a lot to say. I think, um, for me, Darksiders has something to say. Yeah. Uh, and I like the Just Cause games. I think one and thing I would I'm irrationally say, excited about Starlink because I like spaceships. I mean, there's a lot to do. Starlink so. is a sleeper. I think might be yeah. a sleeper hit. I, uh, I think one thing I would say is Q4 this year seems weaker than last year. I'd agree with that. There, well, there last year there was a Mario games, game. So. Right, yeah. But they're, we're, not, we're not getting like that one or two week period where we just get dumped on with like six mm-hmm. amazing games. They're, maybe part of it is they're just getting smarter with scheduling, but it seems like there's I think one... a, lot of, a lot of things converged last year yeah i think i think a lot of people's like top level release happened to be well you got zelda and mario in the same year i mean that's a big deal on its own so um i think it'll be tough for this year to ultimately be better but i think it's still possible yeah it's still really good um like a big surprise this year 
I did, it didn't go the distance for me, but I did. I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the first like twenty or so hours of Octopath Traveler. Um, yeah. Astrobot rescue mission, mm. easy. This hands down the most pleasant surprise I've had this year. It's not even close. Uh, let's answer a couple more if we got them. Uh, yeah, Johnny Hurricane hooked you up with uh, the info for mm. for the Busan Odyssey. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's an arrow there, but I'll look after we're done here. And then we'll know if I've been playing the better version of the game or if I'm just overly thorough. Yep. All right, so I think that's it for the questions for tonight's episode. Thanks to everybody on the stream for sticking around. Thanks to everybody who hooked us up with Twitch Prime during the stream. Thanks for coming back on the stream after apparently it dropped earlier, which we were not yeah. aware of. So we had a we had a full the whole block went black at blacked out last night uh, for a while. Oh really? Um, and it took me a while to get the internet up and running, and again everything after everything came back, so it might still be a little hiccupy. That might have been my fault. Um, Whatever. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen that happen happen here before. The whole block just went black. Weird. Um, for about like 20 minutes. So. Might have had something to do with it. Maybe still some hitches in the system. But anyway, yeah. <clears throat> thanks for sticking with us after the stream went down for a brief moment. Um, I want to thank everybody for their patronage uh, on Patreon. Some of you guys are still on our old subscription system on Sifted. I want to thank you guys as well for continuing to stay on that. Our Patreon is hurting though, people. It has gone down $300 in the last 30 days. That's a lot. That's the biggest drop we've ever had by a mile for one month. Um, we're teetering right on the edge, folks. Like um, the Twitch Prime stuff has was making up for the drops on our Patreon, but we've kind of reached a point where it's not anymore. So um, I don't know what the answer is. Most of the people when they leave don't leave a reason why they're leaving our Patreon. They just are. So. Um, yeah, tough times on our Patreon right now. Thank God for Twitch Prime. Hope to God it doesn't go away. We're going to be in really deep crap. But, uh, thanks to everybody who's bought our shirts so far. Uh, like I said, some of you guys may have got on the stream late. We are running out of orange. So if you want orange, we're already sold out of small, medium, triple XL. And there, I don't know, there's like a handful of large and extra large. So if you want orange, you should get in quick. But I highly recommend the white with the violet. You guys are not buying them, but you should be. I don't know if they don't play well on camera or what, but hands down, those shirts look the best in person. I don't know. Maybe you guys hate purple or something, but I'm telling you, those shirts are kick-ass. So give them another look. Uh, some of you guys may not be able to get orange now because some of the sizes are gone. So if you're looking for an alternative, I highly recommend the white with the violet. They are dope AF, and I never say that. So, that's Game Face 143. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with another round of game stuff. We'll have some big games on uh, next week's episode as well. I get Black Ops 4, like, tonight or tomorrow. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, Starlink arrives early enough in the day I can play some of that. Yep. Starlink is... Keep an eye on that one, folks. I think it's one of those games that was kind of slipping under the radar. Mm -hmm. That, uh, There's a lot more to it than you think. Yeah. The I think a lot of people saw that it was like a Toys to Life game at yeah. first and just immediately just wrote it off. Or they think it's like just kind of a kiddie sort of like, you know, Shootery thing, but there's like there's a solar system and you oh, fly yeah. around. And go I mean, to it's a planets. lot like, like No Man's Sky. Yeah, there's some. It's like a No Man's Sky if No Man's Sky was like a, a 
uh, just an arcade, like in a more of a arcade, more accessible, accessible thing, yeah. like which is fine. Like yeah, um, yeah, the, absolutely. The more, the more things with little star fighters that go like I'm, I'm in. I yep. love it. Like because like, sure as hell ain't getting Star Citizen any anytime. So. <laughs> I think the convention for that's tomorrow. Actually, oh really? Yeah, like I, I'm gonna you tune should in. go in there and raise them out. Oh, that's over in Austin. <laughs> I'm not going that far for that crap. Although there's, you um, spend so much on ships, you should have like a real ship that you could fly to Austin for the event. You know, I get that. I got some people. I got some people coming over tomorrow. We're gonna watch the keynote and laugh. Yeah, basically. There you go. All right, so that's it for uh, Game Face 143. Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next time. Game Face is up and out.